Hey everybody, welcome to the Deathmatch News Radio. This is going to be episode number 12. We are recording this on the uh, on November 28, 2018. You can find me at uh, on Twitter at INTL Wrestling. I also have the Indie Wrestling INTL.wordpress.com uh, blog where I do the uh, the Deathmatch newsletter. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host Mike. Mike, if you want to let people know, where can people find you online? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at the Deathmatch Cult Facebook group. Uh, we're 2,900 members and growing. Uh, we're doing uh, matches a day. We're doing a lot of new fun things. Uh, evening classic matches a day for old ECW and FMW matches. Uh, it's a very interactive page. We've got a lot of uh, admins that are very involved with it, such as uh, Ben Hollis out of the UK, uh, Bucky Hines, uh, Andy Lawler, uh, Jamie Gerardo. Uh, Jamie helps me with a lot of Lucha stuff. Um, uh, Brian Luke Lehman, uh, Dakota Harris, just uh, a bunch of guys that are very, uh, very uh, involved in the death matches and, and love it. And uh, we all kind of come together and and put our uh, our two cents in and try to make it the best page out there for people. Uh, it's very drama free. Uh, it's just a bunch of people putting on what we love. Um, you can also uh, catch me at uh, Will Michaels. Deathmatch Cult on Twitter. Um, we have our year-end award show coming up December 15th on Saturday night. Uh, we got a lot of awards, cool stuff going on with that. Uh, some wrestler interviews and things. Um, you can always check out my interview archives. Um, some of them are on the uh, Patreon, like Steven said, some of the old interviews. Uh, I've probably got 80 interviews on my uh, Deathmatch Cult uh, interview archive page. Um, like he said also earlier, uh, I'm excited to be doing a new project with Brett Bahu. Uh, very uh, exciting to talk to him about some Japanese wrestling, different things, uh, things I've been following for, for many, many years. Obviously, no one follows FNW like him, but uh, I've always, I always uh, consider myself a, a, a layman a historian. I've always uh, loved wrestling. I have so, uh, so many old uh, archives and VHSs and things you know, since, uh, since the mid-'80s. So that's where you can find me. And um, as always, I want to remind people that we are a listener-supported show. We do this just for fun, but if you happen to feel that we provided value for you, you can head over to patreon.com slash deathmatchnews. We upload, like Mike said, we upload some of the archive interviews each week. We've also started to upload uh, early access to the interviews. We currently have an interview with, with Matt Tremont where he talked about founding H2O and also uh, the decision to leave Combat Zone Wrestling earlier this year. Um, and uh, it's going to be on the show next week, but if you want to hear it right now, you can head on over to patreon.com slash deathmatchnews, and you can uh, throw us a little bit of money, because the more that we have, the more effort and time we can put into these awesome ventures. I wanted to say one thing real quick, if that's okay. Yep. Uh, while you mentioned Matt Tremont, I want to just say uh, prayers and best wishes to his wife. Or excuse me, his fiance. I know she was ill uh, this following week, and she had some uh, surgeries in the hospital. And I know that she's uh, very, very involved. Uh, her name's Chrissy. Uh, she's done a lot of things uh, helping with the store and helping with his, you know, setup of H2O. Stephen does a nice write-up uh, about her in the uh, newsletter. So uh, from, from the uh, Deathmatch Radio News from us guys, from everybody Deathmatch Cult, uh, we wish Chrissy uh, a quick recovery. And Tremont, you know, is a friend of the show, a friend of the page. We wish them nothing but the best, and uh, you know, going forward, we hope that they're okay and their family's okay, and God bless them. 
Absolutely, yeah. What I said in the in the you know in the the thing I said, I just said the friends and family that support the these wrestlers are the unsung heroes who go to the they go to the bathroom and get the band aids. You know when uh, when they're they're needed. And Chrissy has always been so cool on all of social media. So yeah, definitely wish her the best of uh, luck in her recovery. And uh, let's see, before we get started, uh, a couple plugs to get out of the way. The first is that we are launching a bit of a podcast network. Uh, it's going to be called The Wrestling Cult. If you happen to be hearing this show uh, and you want to hear more stuff like this, you can go to iTunes or most other podcast catchers and you can search Wrestling Cult and you will find us. You're going to have the uh, you know this show here, the Deathmatch News, uh, uh, excuse me, the Deathmatch News Radio, uh, we're going to have the history of FMW show on there with uh, Bahu, which in that show we've just reached the end of FMW and the birth of WEW and WMF, so that's really cool. We also have a new show with Mike, my co-host here, and Bahu Brett. They are doing a show called Kawasaki Dreamin', where you guys talk about a lot of evergreen classic topics. Um, real quick, what did you guys talk about on this week's show? Um, well, we talked about, uh, obviously, Onita uh, being with uh, big CZW and uh, GCW news. Uh, we went into, like, early Big Japan. We talked about different things in Big Japan. Uh, and then we kind of got into some topics. You know, we talked about David Arquette. Talked about a few modern things. So we kind of bullshitted back and forth about, uh, you know, uh, obviously our FMW. I questioned him a little bit about some FMW things. And then we went into Big Japan discussions. And he, we hit on some new stuff, like I said, with our cat and different things going on. I uh, I was really interested. If anybody wants to know, you guys went over the history of freedoms, which we're actually going to talk about at the end of the show. But um, uh, it was really interesting hearing Brett talk about it because He's been covering it the way I cover it, you know, day by day. He's been doing this for for 20 years or so. So um, I thought it was a really cool show, and I'm excited for more of those. We have a couple other shows we're hoping to put together. So if you're into the indie, scummy, deathmatchy kind of side of wrestling, definitely come and check out the Wrestling Cult uh, um, uh, podcast network. Uh, the other one I want to talk about is obviously the THT network with our buddies Shaheen. They do a bunch of different shows about the WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, some of, some of the more mainstream topics, but Shaheen also gives a lot of uh, first-hand accounts of the shows that he goes to, you know, Game Changer Wrestling, Combat Zone and stuff, and um, also definitely check out his website, Nuclear Heat Graphics, where you can find all kinds of original art. He does commissions, he sells t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, all kinds of great stuff. So, okay, um, going into the show, um, really quickly, so we're going to start off with an interview with John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley. They were recently down in Mexico for Zona for Zona 23. Uh, Mike, if you want to go over what happened on that show. Well, originally they were supposed to be uh, on two shows, and the first show in Monterey got canceled. For, for reasons unknown. Um, and the second show uh, was supposed to have a big explosion spot. But unfortunately, the, from what I was told, the uh, explosion gentleman didn't show up in time. So they uh, they ended up having a, kind of a straightforward matches. But I've what I've watched on it uh, online, a lot of it was uh, on the cult page as it was happening. The Deathmatch cult page you can check out. As it was happening, uh, it seemed like a pretty uh, insane show. Um, I mean, there's two younger guys, uh, Sabrosa and Lunatic Extreme. Uh, I kind of think they're going to kill each other someday. Um, the opening match was just brutal. 
Um, I know the guys are trying to get attention, but it was, it was just beyond brutal. Uh, they were just beating the shit out of each other. It didn't look like uh, they were staging too much. It was uh, a very, very brutal matchup. Uh, there was a lot of injuries on the card, too. Um, I'll just go over the card real quick. Uh, Lunatic Extreme defeated uh, Sabrosa. Very, very hard-hitting match. Um, these guys uh, beating the shit out of each other with chairs, uh, light tubes, just uh, diving out of the ring. The one uh, Sabrosa looked like he landed on his head. Uh, second match was Lunatic Extreme defeating Impulso for the juvenile title match. Uh, that was uh, from the tournament they recently had. It was uh, it was vacated, so Lunatic Extreme defeated Impulso. Next match was a six-way. Uh, Demento Extreme defeated Aztec Warrior, Juan Rancho, Sick Boy, uh, Terramoto, and Toxico. Really didn't see a lot of that match on there. Uh, that Then we had Casario Negro, uh, Arrow Boy, defeated Arrow Boy, and Demis, uh, Demis got injured. They were doing dives off of tractor-trailer trucks, and Demis took a, a pretty bad fall. Um, our next match was the first with the Americans, uh, but Obed ended up defeating Epifito and Reed Bentley. Uh, this was a pretty nuts match. At one point, uh, Obed took a, a helmet from like a, a, bit, or a, a motorcycle helmet. Uh, Reed was in a car. He was trying to smash the window that Reed was sitting in with it, and then they ended up switching up where, where Reed threw Obed in the car, and he had the... the uh, motorcycle helmet and they end up smashing the helmet not the window over those windows on those cars were pretty good windows i guess uh he ended up smashing his helmet all to hell there's a lot of syringes in this match i know reed had syringes through both sides of his face Ovid ended up winning that match uh draco defeated uh venom uh but draco ended up getting hurt a little bit after that matchup he took a bad fall uh off the ring apron then in the main event was uh john wayne murdoch and uh the champion was on the 23 leviathan uh a lot of light tube contractions they went through a barbed wire light tube contraction this was supposed to have been the explosion match but as i was told the uh the explosion gentleman uh did not show up on time and i've also heard there's been some problems in Zona, so I know they don't have a new no show announced, so we'll have to wait and see what uh, what becomes of Zona 23. I know there's been some funding issues, so we're kind of have to gonna have to wait and see what's going on there. Yeah, my friend who's down there, you know, he always talks about how just um, um, he's done a couple tours of Japan with me, and you know, Japan is as official as it gets. The show starts at 7:45, and it starts at 7:44, and they apologizing for rushing. You know what I mean? Uh, in Mexico, it's the complete opposite. It's just nobody knows what's going on. They arrange shows with days' notice. It's pretty wild and stuff. Um, and yeah, there's a highlight reel that uh, was on YouTube from this show. Like they compacted all of the bumps into one little two-minute reel. Somebody's gonna die down there. I think Zona Twenty Three might really win the award for the most reckless promotion of the year, without a doubt. <laughs> So. Kevin Brett took the year off. <laughs> well, if he next could year, run more shows, he would definitely win. Yeah, they'll have so. some competition next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, before yeah, we get into that, yeah, crazy show. Sorry. Oh no, that's okay. Um, so okay. Well, hey, well, let's run uh, or let's throw it to the interview that you did with uh, Reed Bentley and John Wayne Murdoch. Avoid legal snags by telling people they're recorded. Okay, you know you're being recorded. This is Rejects Match Radio News. Uh, I have a special interview with the Rejects. 
John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley, fresh from their trip up uh, Mexico. How's it going, guys? Good, man. How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. How was Mexico? It was it was fantastic. Uh, we were a little worried, but it was all for nothing. It was the best experience I've ever had. The hospitality was great, and we can't wait to be back. And from what I've heard today, we're going to be back sooner rather than later. Nice. Nice. And possibly for a couple of other companies as well. That'd be awesome if you got, like, a tour. Yeah, we're trying to line something up right now. Absolutely. Well, I hope I hope that works out for you. I'm uh, I'm glad you guys were able to get down to Mexico. That's awesome. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good time, man. We appreciate your help as well, facilitating stuff with Abel and um, kind of being the go between. Yeah, no problem, no problem. What would you say uh, is the biggest difference between the Mexican wrestling scene and the American wrestling scene? The fans. The fan, uh, like, there's a lot of passionate fans here. Don't me get, don't get me wrong. I'm not right. shitting on the fans, but like the Zona 23 fans, and I, and I'm assuming all wrestling fans in there, they were just so passionate about being there. They didn't care that it was in a shitty junkyard with no toilets. They didn't care. They were there to watch the wrestling. Like they were yeah. there. Like it was just, they were so humbling. Yeah, like legit junkyard dogs running around. Like the sweetest dogs ever, though. They were great. They were they were super awesome. They were great at being dogs. Um, so I've seen a lot of the clips. They looked awesome. Um, what do you think the turnout was? Um, three fifty. Yeah, say. yeah, between three and four hundred, probably. It looked uh, a pretty good turnout. Yeah, I believe someone had said the show previous to that had like a thousand people. Um, or something along those lines, but uh, you know, 400 is still pretty good. Um, oh, like John yeah. said, you know, there's a lot of great fans here. Don't get me wrong, but just <laughs> on the whole, you know, every Eight. single person that was in that junkyard was just like ecstatic to be there. And uh, I mean, like energy-wise, like uh, you know, the Game Changer crowd has got some fucking competition in uh, the Zone of 23 crowd. Is all I'm saying. That's awesome. I mean, 400 is good. That's, uh, you know, that's like 350 more than you could draw in Memphis, Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I shouldn't say that, but uh, I'm on the asshole list, too, so it's okay. I don't have um, Doug Gilbert list. I'm on the Doug Gilbert list, too. Yeah, I got blocked on the Doug Gilbert list. So I didn't wrestle for him, and I made the list. I'm pretty proud of it. But um, so my next question is, uh, I, I guess... Was there any regulations with, uh, did you meet the, uh, commissions down there? Cause I know they, the commissions are very involved. Was there anyone there from the commission checking out uh, the shows that you could see? Not, not that we seen, but we, we could have been staring at them and never knew, but we right. were never aware of anything. We were never told anything. It was, Hey, go out here and we're going to turn you loose and do whatever you want. Like, yeah, I think there's, uh, some kind of a deal with the, uh, commission and zone of 23 it kind of exists outside of like uh like the regular death match boundaries down there it's kind of a kind of like in its own its own little world um i don't know some kind of an agreement or something awesome um what happened with the explosion match was there explosions uh no no oh, okay. the pyrotechnic guy didn't show gotcha i didn't think so i watched the clips but 
It still looked like a crazy match, but I didn't see any explosions. I was looking for the... If Abel was smart, he would have just got Zandig. He would have flew Zandig in to do the explosions, but he didn't. So. I almost pitched that at one point. <laughs> yeah, that'd have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, fly Zandig and Don't fly in the uh, the Onita guy from the Once in a Lifetime. Those bats were shitty looking. There was like a three-second delay. It hit him with the bat and an explosion. You could count to three and an explosion happened. Yeah, he's coming yeah. back to America. He is twice. I'm surprised. Twice coming back to Cage of Death. Twice in a lifetime. He's got a. Uh, did you hear who his surprise partner is going to be at Cage of Death? No, I did not. It's probably going to be a guy. I talked to the guy earlier today, and he, you know, he wouldn't confirm. I'll just say he's probably won seven Deathmatch tournaments, and he probably runs a company called H Two O. It's probably going to be Onita's partner. Yeah, that's not Cage of Death. That's not too shocking, I guess, right? Well, a quick return, I guess, but uh, yeah, but it should it should be cool. Yeah, he's back again. He's going to be back at Spring Break for GCW too. Oh, hell, yeah, yeah, that that is what I thought. That was also a thing. Yeah, and then the uh, the Cage of Death for CCW. The quick thing they just announced it. And it's happening in less than a month. Yeah, it is. It's almost December. But with Cage of Death, that draws itself. Like they'll be at X amount of fans. He knows will be there, so it's sort of. Yeah, it's a good show to bring Onita in on. Yeah, yeah, and they've they've had bad drawings lately, but I got to give them credit. Their last two shows have been pretty good. They they had, they had some pretty crazy violence. The Ricky Shane Page and Mance Warner and Masada. Oh back. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, RSP and Mance fucking killed it. That yeah. match was insanely good. And the tag match at the last show with Jimmy Lloyd and everybody was nuts. And they actually had probably the best exploding barbed wire bat I've ever seen. It was like right on. Hell yeah. Whoever gigged it up did a great job. And uh, and then they were just throwing people through, you know, and O'Hare and Masada was nuts. So Yeah, I like O'Hare and Masada. Yep. So I'm hoping, uh, I'm definitely hoping uh, they stay on the right foot and uh, get some momentum. Just it's more places for people to work, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, the guys are definitely killing it. You know, like they're doing like everything. They, uh, they're putting yeah. everything into everything. They kind of spun their feet for a while after TOD and before TOD, I think, and now it's kind of gotten back on track. But they have such a long legacy. I mean, to shame, be ashamed to see it just go away just because there's so many amazing, you know, you just talked about Zandig a minute ago, so many amazing CZW matches over the years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like any other place, man. There are good people there and there are bad people Absolutely. there. You know, there's good decisions made and bad decisions made. The guys are definitely like the boys are killing it, you know. Like the boys got to oh, yeah. support the boys, you know. Yeah, absolutely. How was your travels? Great, man. Everything was super stellar up until coming <laughs> back. Uh, once we got to Monterey, our bus was forty-five minutes delayed. Okay. Um, which ate into our time to get to the border, and thanks to uh, all this fucking. Uh, Trump shit stirred up at the border. Uh, the National Guard is like exercising in downtown Laredo and like at the border, and uh, they have streets closed down and all kinds of shit. It took us like an hour and an Uber to get to the airport. Uh, oh my goodness! So we ended up missing our flight. Jeez. Uh, staying in Laredo, Texas. Um, eating at a Hooters. Yeah, like with a well. wonderful waitress named Sam who uh, tried to find us uh, marijuana. 
Um, she did not successfully do so. Pointed us in the direction of a sports bar that was pretty cool, though. That exclusively played uh, 2003 to 2006 uh, hip-hop and, uh, like, Latino pop. It was great. It was lots of, like, <laughs> Fat Joe, R. Kelly, Akon, Chingy. Um, yeah, yeah, it was sick. So that's, well, you had an interesting time in Laredo, so that's definitely a... Yeah, the Laredo was great. We'll go back anytime. Nice. We'll probably go back at some point. Nice. And John didn't have to do any swimming? No, no. <laughs> uh, that's a good thing. Was, yeah, everything was stellar. The people from the whole time we went into Mexico, everybody was super hospitable, um, like strangers and, uh, you know, like taxi drivers and shit, like went out of their way to help, you know, just like telling like being able to tell we were foreigners you know i mean we did have a gun pointed at us once uh yeah on a bus yeah we did wake up on the bus to like a federal police um like checking ids or whatever okay um so you know that was that happened but (laughs) you gotta have a gun story in mexico i mean come on you gotta have i started talking to him in spanish he said no i know english it's fine and he's like uh let me see your id boom and he left me okay the, the whole question is just, are you a citizen of the United States? They just ask you that a lot. Like um, like any situation where your ID's checked, they're at the border on either side. Like all they ask you is, you know, so just, you know, always answer yes. And I guess you're fine. Absolutely. So usually you hear about people jump into this side, just tell them you jumped the other way. <laughs> yeah, there was. Uh, you got sick of Trump. Extremely Trump. green <laughs> river. Like uh, super, I guess Laredo, I get apparently is very polluted because the uh, the river was like uh, plutonium green. <laughs> Jeez, that's terrible. Um, who am, you know, obviously I've watched a lot of the clips of the show, and actually a friend of ours was shooting some of it live, so it was kind of cool. They posted it right on our page. Yeah, um, it was awesome. Omar, amazing guy, yeah, and yeah. Uh, took a picture with Omar. Absolutely. So shout out to Omar if you're listening to the Deathmatch Radio News. Thank you. Uh, you're part of the family of the cult, so we love you. Thank you for everything you did for the, putting all the images on, and it was great. He's an awesome guy. I talk to him quite often. Um, my next question is, who impressed you? Because the show looked wild. I mean, what talent impressed you? Who, who needs to come to America, do you think, from you wrestling and watching the other matches? That first match, they beat yeah. the fuck out of each other. Yeah. Uh, them two, like, man. Yeah, what's a lunatic fly and uh, Impulso, I think, right? Yeah, Impulso. Yeah, that was insane, wasn't it? They they went super hard, man. Like, homeboy was just suiciding to his face to the chairs outside, and uh, they were yeah, it was great. They fucking killed it. They went so fucking hard. They went. It was. Insane. I think Ovet deserves to come here. I think GC, I think he would do wonders. Him and Nick Gage at GCW would be great. Like, yeah, Ovet is awesome. He's like a legend in Mexico, man. He's yeah. like he's super cool. His kid uh, works as well. It was super good. Yeah, uh, I just sent Brennan a, a video of uh, Impulso and uh, Fly trying to convince him he needs him for Carnage Cup because they always go like that. Yeah, dude. They they went fucking. It was killer. Um, sick boy, like I would love to see. Uh, I love to see sick boy over here. That's my dude. Uh, 
it's fucking anybody, man. I want everybody, all of them. Like, there needs to be, like, more people coming from Mexico, more people from Japan, like, more, like, talent shares both ways, you know? Like, let's, Absolutely. let's co-mingle these scenes, man. Well, yeah, you know, America has been great. We've seen Violent or Jack. We've seen Seiko play in video. We've seen Violent or uh, Arrow Boy, which is great, and we want to keep seeing them. But there's next, we need that next wave because there's so much more talent over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, for sure, exactly. You know, we need that next wave to come over here and, uh, and kick ass because, uh, you know, it's that time. It's that golden age of death matches. So, you know, it's definitely the time to get people there. And obviously Mexico's got a lot more promotions. I know Marcus is going to be in NGX next month. Marcus Crane, Hooligan, so it's definitely, I know uh, Guantos has got some talent coming in January. What's that? Somebody we didn't mention who was, was very nice, probably one of the best people we met was uh, was Leviathan himself. Uh, yeah. Such a great guy. Uh, really enjoyed it. He, he brought his A game. It was good. Very, he's a nice guy. Every time I post something with him, he either messaged me thank you or he, he sent something there, so it was very cool. He's very cool. Yeah, it's uh, definitely Zona, great atmosphere, and excited to see you guys going back to Mexico, hopefully do some stuff for Zona and, and do a tour down there. It'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, too, you're probably a lot more comfortable after your first run, too. You know, initially got that off, and you had a good time, and definitely uh, Japan would be great, but at least it's not a 20-hour flight. <laughs> right, yeah. That's... Uh, it's a crazy long um, What else did you take away from the country, I guess? The scenery, what else did you do? We, we always talk wrestling, but what did you enjoy about Mexico scenic-wise? You know, did you say or do when you were there? Uh, yeah, like, the just the country was awesome, too, man. Monterey was pretty, was awesome. I had the best street tacos ever. Uh, they have uh, this really good beer, Carta Blanca. It's like the, like, state beer, you know? When you eat tacos in Mexico, real tacos, you'll never want to eat them over here again. Yeah, man. They're, they're just so, not the same. So good. Uh, like real barbacoa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, land bird. Land bird. Uh, yeah, that's what, uh, nice. uh, that's what they were trying to describe to us as like what was in this taco. <laughs> uh, they said, uh, it's like a land bird. <laughs> ah. Yeah, and then they banned. Uh, you little lamb. Yeah. Nice. Um, did you stay in a nice area? Or did you stay in Monterey? Did you or? We stayed uh, in uh, Tultitlan, I think is how it's said. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's like where the junkyard is. We yep. stayed at the hotel Tultitlan, uh, and. Uh, it was described to us as a hotel for fuck. <laughs> and, uh, I was just going to go ask. inside Here. and you see the like 80s Miami Vice color scheme of all the like adobe buildings and the landscaping. And, um, you know, it's just like very like period. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, like everything's like real down there. You know, like, they like even places that are not considered nice have like marble and granite like everything's real you know like it doesn't right you know it's it's crazy like they have every everything's authentic down there um and everything's so cheap like we live oh yeah it's 19 pesos to the dollar so it was um you know it's it's great being there 
Yeah, you spend nothing down there. And eat and drink like a king. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, style-wise, how do you feel style was uh, with the Lucha Extremo style versus the American Deathmatch style? Um, I think it's pretty similar, you know, but like I said, you know, people were going hard, you know, like there were dudes killing it. Uh, you know, it's it was awesome. Fans were crazy, you know, they were, like, involved in the match, you know, like they're not literally, but they're a part of it. Like, at one point, uh, Ovet swung this motorcycle helmet at a uh, car window while I was inside the car. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. And uh, he didn't break it. Right. So I got out of the car. I hit him, threw him in the car, grabbed the motorcycle helmet, gave it everything I had, and the uh, motorcycle helmet shattered into, like, 30 pieces. Um, that was some good car window. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> cut the hell out of my finger, and uh, then people were coming up at intermission and having us sign the motorcycle helmet. Uh, like I, a bunch of people, you know, grabbed pieces of it. They were like very big into souvenirs. Like they loved t-shirts. Like they were so. I'm just gonna ask to, you that if I had a good merchandise time, huh? Um, we were supposed to have some shirts printed up down there, like a Mexico exclusive design. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, there was a problem with the printers, I guess, and they didn't get made. Gotcha. Um, so we sold, you know, the few shirts that we had left of our older designs. Um, and you know they still did well though. Like oh, yeah, yeah, still did. It was great. You know, yeah, people were awesome, very generous. You know, they uh, tip you. You know, like they either like throw money in the ring during the match, or even like as you're going to the back, you know, just like hand you ten pesos. You know, like it's their um, like uh, a gesture. You know, it's like a gesture right. of you know adoration. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're super, super awesome, super deep, you know, culture. Like, they're all very, very, um, um, like, value-oriented. They're really, really cool. We, we had a great time. I'm sure, obviously, you know, bad things happen down there all the time. and You hear a lot of crazy stories, but, um, you know, well, that was not our experience at all. You know, like, we, we loved it, so can't wait to go back. Oh, you can go anywhere in that bad times. There's places in the United States you would never want to go to. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my thing. It's, you know, their cities are just like any other cities. You don't go where you're not supposed to go, and you won't have any problems. Sure, and you were in a, a better part. It's not like you were dropping Juarez. You know, <laughs> a little different story, like maybe, yeah. maybe there. But you don't see too many cars ran in Juarez either. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, the... Uh, the whole thing is just, you know, acting like you know you know what you're doing, even when you don't, you know, appearing to know what the hell you're doing, even if you're completely lost or confused. Sure. What's the craziest thing you saw on your trip? Um, we saw a sign at one point that said, uh, Solicitas Chicas uh, for 300 and 500 pesos. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> there were uh, like uh, there were mounted like turrets on the back of like Humvees and uh, police trucks, like so much police. Uh, you know, you have like the city police and the state police yeah. and the federal police all just like constantly patrolling. Like it's a very like every city felt like it was in lockdown. 
but it was just normal, you know, like it wasn't anything right. weird. Like everyone was just accustomed to it. Yeah, the no driving beat down on the street by some cop, right? No, no, like it was just like you know martial law almost, uh, and uh, like the driving, like is so different than America. People just everyone is aggressive. Like no matter what city you think you've been in in America, where the traffic is crazy or the drivers right. are crazy, they don't have shit on Mexico, uh, <laughs> Monterey <laughs> especially people just like everyone honks their horn but it like no one has road rage it's just like ah pendejo get the fuck out of the way you know like it's right. just very you know like they just they cut each other off they squeeze in they have these odd like right lanes where when the other lanes are stopped you can make a u-turn very crazy traffic patterns people just like force their way out like they'll rather they'll hit you if you don't stop you know right it's, it's insane Dogs everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like friendly. Yeah. Pigeons that you could ride. Like that's the land of bird. Yeah. Like these things are like griffins. Uh, fucking like kids like running out selling like chicharrones and uh squirting your windshield down and why like everyone out like everyone's hustling. Everyone is out to make a dollar. Uh, in Mexico, like, and it's just like that's just yeah, life. Yeah, at the bus stop, we go to a non Greyhound, it's like a Futura, uh, Frontera, uh, Trans Norte, Chihuahua Express, like all these different yeah. bus lines that aren't Greyhound. You have to pay to get into the pisser, you have to pay six pesos to get into the bathroom. <laughs> I've never seen and such the a thing. Paper is kept separate now. When I piss, I wipe my dickhead for the access P. Okay, now this is not something you're getting you're getting your information here. Right. So there's no there's no toilet paper. They that's so crazy. Reed's walked out of the room. He's done with the interview now. No. Uh like there was no toilet so I was like, man, this is odd. So I had to walk and get toilet paper just to do that. Anyway, that's my weird story about Mexico. How much they charge for toilet paper? <laughs> No, no, that was free, sure. thank God. <laughs> free. That free. That's good. They have like a separated. That's crazy. Almost <laughs> like they wanted you to wipe your hands with it too, but wiping your hands with toilet paper is weird because then it all falls apart. It's just sure. Yeah. Other than that, Mexico was great. That's awesome. Sounds like you guys had a good time. Definitely. And obviously, uh. But Abel was a good experience. I presume you guys had a real good experience with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was great. He was great. Abel was always, he's always, from day one, he was great to us. So. Hey, more, more promoters should take notice. If you pay people what you tell them, they're happy and they say good stories about you. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. He honored. He From sure. day one, he honored everything he said. So awesome. Now you guys uh, obviously have GCW coming up Saturday this week, right? Yes. Um, thoughts, you know, going on that? Obviously, that's your big return to GCW. Uh, thoughts on that match or, or the card, you know, going into it? Uh, the match is going to be great. Uh, it's the first time that uh, they've uh, they've tagged together, I think, as a tag team. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's. Uh, gonna be sick they're two crazy fuckers they're willing to do whatever 
So and we are too. So it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be bloody. I don't know if they're actually ready for this to happen in that building. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty fucking hyped to be back. So that shit's gonna be on an eleven. It's gonna be bonkers. Awesome. People are gonna jump off things and get thrown off things and get hit with things and land on things. Like all the things that can be done will be done in that match. I can imagine it's gonna be a car wreck. Yeah, it will. Yeah. Beautiful car wreck. It will kill the proverbial town. <laughs> That's a, it's nothing to do with the interview, but I'm looking at your Skype picture. Were you 15 years old when you joined Skype? Uh, probably. <laughs> It's like an old. No, no, that was actually. I think that was uh, me doing uh, me doing a Davy Richards pose in a promo picture from like 2012. Nice. Uh, you look, you look a lot younger. Yeah, Davy used to do this like thing where he would make these. He'd put two fingers out and a thumb, and he'd just go like about waist level, <laughs> yeah. at a 90 degree angle, left to right, like. Uh, working his fingers back and forth. It was very off-putting. Um, yeah, so I, of I was a big fan of wrestling. Doing so. it. I had to start doing it in, like, you know, all of my entrances um, in a very over-the-top, obnoxious manner. So it, it, it eventually just, like, that's where it started. And in hindsight, it was like a totally normal taunt thing that he did. Nothing weird about it at all, really. But it just, like, spiraled into this inside joke, you know, um, of uh, really right. just over the top. Um, it's one of my favorite things. If you go back, like, anyone who watches matches from that time period, like, oh, man, there's, I really can't wait. To, we filmed a shoot interview once, and then it, uh, uh, the files got corrupted, and it wasn't able to be processed. Uh, yeah, I just, just interviewed the guy that you did the shoot interview with. He was telling me about it. It's terrible. Yeah, it sucks, but Jeremy. Yeah. I mean, we have between me and John, we have so many ridiculous stories. Um, a lot of stories that I don't think people would expect um, us to have. So I, we would really like to do another shoot. Awesome. I would love to do one too, where like we picked uh, like ten matches to go with it, and we talked about the matches. You know, like stories yeah. that like it could be because of the match or it could just be a totally whatever match that has a really crazy backstory or something that happens before or after it, you know, sure. uh, something like that. Sure. Things okay. are at least funny to us. Give us a preview. Give us one crazy wrestling story. Oh, the uh, Deathmatch Radio News Podcast. Oh, man. I'm trying to think of something Deathmatch related. Then. It doesn't matter. As long as it's a good story. Uh, it doesn't have to be <laughs> okay. The Outlaw show, the Hooligans show. I was running. Oh, yeah. Um, so one of the, the Hooligans have their own wrestling promotion, Outlaw Wrestling. Yeah. Around like Southern Illinois, St. Louis area, you know, where they, near where they live. Um, and we're on one of the first ones. I mean, maybe this third one. Yeah, whichever one yeah. Elgin was on. Yeah, Elgin was on it and he wrestled, I want it, Lumpy? I think so. Uh, Frank Wyatt, I think, because he was the champ, maybe. Or Paco. Yeah, or Paco, possibly his, his kid Paco. Um, like a bunch of Elgin's kids were on it. Uh, Matt Cage, um, you know, the usual suspects. And uh, we were wrestling. It was us versus the Hooligans versus Deadly Dale. Deadly Dale and uh, uh, what's his partner's name? Oh, man, I hate when I, that makes me seem like such a dick. I just can't. I'm totally blank, and I can't think of dude's name. 
a three-way tag. And uh, no, no. Not, did you say Cash Morton? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Uh, we, we go out and we have this like wild all over the arena brawl because, of course, we do. Um, and uh, like we're getting a little wild, but it's contained, you know, because we don't want to fuck the building up or nothing. And um, I guess at some point uh, the guy said something that upset Devin um, or said, said something uh, about, you know, like we were doing too much when we like really weren't, you know, doing anything. Um, so Devin said, okay, fuck it. Uh, fuck this place up. Uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not running here anymore. Uh, <laughs> and we flip a couple of tables over. Um, we throw some like, you know, fake potted plants around. Uh, we turn a few more things into weapons that weren't originally weapons. Uh, one, two, three matches over. We get to the back. This guy, this like, seven foot tall gangly motherfucker walks through the door and he's fuck he's pissed he's the guy that runs the building um he's upset and uh <laughs> he starts shaking his finger telling us that we're not leaving that he's calling the cops that we are uh that we're crazy, that what we did, we were taken from the youth. So apparently, I don't know what we did, us brawling and flipping some tables over and going ham in his building was taken from uh, taken from the youth. Yeah. Somehow, uh, John Wayne proceeded to ball his wrist tape up and throw it at the guy and bounce it off his chest while the guy was talking, just in a very uh, nonchalant, you know, tossing manner. Um he uh, he went boom, you know. He was very shocked. Yeah, yeah, he sold it like it was a fucking softball. Um, and they uh, he he was saying that we weren't he wasn't gonna let us go take the ring down. So I looked at Alex Rudolph, um, who was like still not like green, but he was like you know, uh, you know, he was like a guy who would do stuff, you know. Um, right. I was like Alex. Uh, take the fucking young boys out there and get this fucking ring down. So Alex shoves past this, you know, poor old man who, got, you know, looking back, God bless him, he's just caught in the crosshairs. But uh, mind you, we don't know if I have a warrant or not, so we get the fuck out of there. So like, yeah, John Wayne is constantly fearful that he has a warrant for some unspecified crime. It never, there's never really anything specific that he assumes it might be for. He at some point, yeah, he just things like i've probably got a warrant um so we get out of there we you know get paid get our bags and at this time we are traveling with nick depp um he he drove us in his van uh nick depp if you're you know from around that scene uh has a very famous uh green van that he drove for many a years he might still have it i haven't seen him in quite some time um and we run out, still in gear, throw our bags in, jump in the sliding door, or I do at least, you know, they're in the front seats, slam the door in a very fucking 18 uh, kind of manner. Yeah, he, he backs out, hits this country highway in southern Illinois, and uh, we're barreling 
towards this intersection. We get to the intersection, stop, pull through it, right as somebody from our, you know, back uh, left-hand side is pulling up to the stop sign. We see it's a cop. Um, they turn right, luckily, don't turn the way we are. They go towards the building, so we got away just in time um, before the cops got there. Um, but then we realized that we uh, had purchased weed from another professional wrestler at this show um, and forgot to give him the money for said weed. Uh, so we then had to get a hold of him, meet up at a Denny's off the interstate uh, because that's where the best drug deals happen right. um, and uh, pay him and eat ourselves some grand slams before we drive back home to Louisville, Kentucky. Drugs and eggs. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> Got, got to get in the state where it's legal. There's more and more. <laughs> right. New York's probably going to go next year. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, uh, you're kind of in the middle, though. So you're, you're in that Bible belt. So you might be last to, you know, you guys aren't that far from Tennessee, right? Oh, yeah, we're not, right above Tennessee. Yeah, about might, three might hours be, from Might be the last ones to go. That still seems to have the, the parts of the Bible belt down there yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Awesome. Uh, what else you got coming up, bookings wise? Uh, we got uh, PPW, like we said, we got GCW coming up. We got Nova Pro on Friday. Uh, you know, uh, read read you tell them what we got coming up. Yeah, uh, this Friday is uh, Nova Pro. They have a Black Friday show. GCW on Saturday, uh, Paradigm Pro uh, presents the Black Album in uh, December, um, and then I think not much. I think that's it. I, I don't think we really have anything else in December. We decided to not take any, try to not take any more uh, bookings around the holidays. Uh, just so we just took uh, PPW, I believe. So. And then in uh, January, uh, in February, we definitely have a couple of uh, new promotions coming up on our radar. Um, and uh, Mexico again, uh, potentially in February and March. So it's going to be fun times next year. Nice. And the next time, you, like I said, you're going to try to do like a tour of Mexico, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, we would like to. Uh, GCW uh, in Chicago as well um, oh, in nice. January. So, nice. uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. Awesome. What's your, uh, just because I've been asking everybody today, I've asked uh, Tremont, I've asked uh, the other guy, Andrew, what's your thoughts on uh, David Arquette, uh, Nick Gage? Uh, I thought the match was pretty dope, man. Uh, it's pretty sick. Uh, David Arquette, I, I really appreciated the fact that he came out and was like, you know, it was me getting hurt. Um, getting hurt was my fault, you know, like I was, uh, you know, panicked or whatever. Uh, you know, so it was cool that he, like, wasn't about people just, like, unabashedly shitting on wrestling, not knowing anything about the context or the situation. It was cool he went to bat and, you know, uh, you know, lifted some of the, uh, the bullshit that was coming the way of GCW. Yeah, it's insane. There's these idiots on the fucking internet now that are have a petition going to ban Nick Gage from wrestling. Fucking morons. So, yeah, not worst. Uh, <laughs> you know, 
and not worth the uh, the screen it's typed on. No, and then you have the idiot fucking Shane Helms commenting, put your cape back on and go fucking be the, the shit again wherever you were in WWE. <laughs> uh, and nobody gives a fuck about you. They have in years. Jelly, tell me how you feel. Yeah, well, I do. I'm pretty straightforward. I, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, his problem is he'd like to get booked for GCW. So he wants to jump on the fucking bandwagon and bash this. I mean... <laughs> There's a funny Helm story that uh, it goes along on the infamous, infamous uh, Jeff Jarrett IWA story. So Jeff, notably, it's been set up intoxicated, mad yeah. about not getting paid or that misunderstanding. He's standing there. Hurricane walks up. What's wrong, Jeff? He tells him and Hurricane looks at him dead serious and goes, I got my money. And just walks <laughs> off in the mask and everything. So I was like, ah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah, he's, he's on there. Like I said, he's a crusader. He's on there uh, talking about how uh, GCW took advantage of Re- or, uh, David Arquette. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one takes advantage of a full-grown man. Well, you mean uh, I like Harry to call. Kane also got really mad one time when uh, Nick Manawa called him out online for uh, making some like uh, homophobic remark on commentary uh, for somewhere, and uh, Hurricane was like very upset. You know, like how dare Nick say something about you know him relying on some like gay innuendo or some like homophobic slur you know to get a reaction on commentary um so you know clearly he's not the uh, best judge of character or things no and, and like i say uh, i call it the hurricane scale you can tell how bad ring of honor is now because of hurricanes on ring of honor tv so it's uh he, he actually was he was in a, yeah, was in a contact cool. match with marty scroll last week on ring of oh. honor television Yes, a thumbtack match. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty hypocritical there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. A, a week after he broadcast. I mean, that's cool about, for him, though, Ring of Honor. TV yeah. That's, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I was Matt Taven is their Honor. champion right now? Is that who? No, Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal? Oh. Yeah. Ring of Honor's got a lot of cool things going on, but Hurricane's not one of them. I'm just, uh, his time has passed. I mean, I don't... <laughs> Let's just keep throwing Hurricane under the I'm bus. Gonna, gonna, yeah, I didn't really think that was going to be a, radio news. I didn't think that was going to be a talking point on this podcast to be no, honest. you know, I mean, uh, you know, just uh, just when stupid people, like I said, you're talking about the garbage wrestling the week he was on television taking a choke slam into a pile of thumbtacks. Yeah, it's fine. Me and John are already on the uh, some of the uh, like trash bag wrestler. Oh, yeah. uh, type uh, internet group things being shit on. Those are my favorite things to watch. I'm on all the butthurt groups. Really. Yeah, yeah, butthurt trash baggers or something along those lines. You know, like I which always are, say, you know, like never ran by people who have right. actually like ever you know done anything in wrestling or know what they're talking about. You know, it's always ran by people who like can't, don't anymore, or like never could. Well, the, 
the funny thing is, I don't, I'm not even going to mention this guy's name. I don't even know what it is. But the cocksucker that started the Nick Gage uh, thing. Oh, the uh, petition. Yeah, I'll refer to him as the cocksucker. One of the people on my, uh, one of my admins on my page called him out. They actually sent him a message on Twitter. And he sent back, oh, you people are terrible and you shouldn't have children and oh, all wow. of you should be castrated. So the ch-. I'm like, what Jesus. the fuck? So uh, another uh, upstanding. Did he system. specify chemically or like? He did not. Like... He left it open. Okay. He left it open, but it means well, so this long thing that they shouldn't have children and should all be wiped out and da 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 da. Kind of sound like Hitler a little bit, but uh, you know. Jesus. Sure What's that? <laughs> Jesus, I said. Uh, just a little. I mean, <laughs> to wipe out a, a race of people and a race of, and that's a little bit like Hitler. But, uh, you know, like I said, I think he's a cocksucker anyway, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I he's got not going to listen to Deathmatch Radio News, and if he does, fuck you. But, uh. I, yeah, you don't like him. I, I think, um, I think I got it. Yeah. Um, back on, uh, not me ranting, back off my chain Helms rant. Uh, yeah. Did you see that horrific, uh, thing, Mexico, the cinder block video? Yeah, man, that shit was That's... fucking terrible. Uh, we heard, uh. <laughs> supposedly the guy was like messed up from the chair shot he said and he was he was trying to uh throw it i guess and miss him just trying to throw it at him and break it on the ground you know i guess just get rid of it um is i guess what he's claiming which you know hopefully obviously you know i have no reason to not believe him you know when he says that um because to think that he would throw that intentionally at someone's head i mean that's to to do that intentionally that's attempted murder you know so yeah uh, you would hope that even, hope any, even in the environment of professional wrestling you know sure. that's a, or deathmatch wrestling that's uh you know that that's actual trying to cause actual blood unfortunately whether yeah whether he meant to do it or didn't mean to do it it's still gonna be a black eye on deathmatch wrestling it's still yes. gonna you know whether actually or not they're gonna blame it on but the best yeah. thing that people can take from that is to realize that what we do is very dangerous and that you know people in the business need to take it as a, a sign to continue to to be safe you know yeah when you can be safe absolutely like i said we want to be able to get up the next day and go to the next town and do the next show and, and do it again even deathmatch guys you know want to be able to you know do more than one show and you know. being cut up and stuff is one thing but you know, having a blood clot and brain surgery is a whole yeah. fucking different level. Yeah. He's still book. in critical condition, too. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, yeah. Like, as soon as I seen it, it made me sick to my stomach. And I've fucking had head issues and all that shit. Like, and, and I've never been hit in the head with a fucking cinder block. So, you know, I can only imagine what the lasting effects from this is going to be. So Horrible. Yeah, it sucks. Family, he's out trying to make a living. Uh, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, being an actor or not, obviously it's auspicious because, you know, it kind of looked like you were trying to give him a receipt for a chair shot, but it could have been an accident. Well, the the fucking chair shots that he knows sold to begin with. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. I don't Uh, know. He should never wrestle again. That's just my opinion. And I know they banned him now. He may be friendly, but it's just... as uh, as As a wrestler, I can't. I can't say that. Like, you go about I understand. I, like, I don't know. Like, because I don't know what in that situation. Uh, sure. You know, I do think that, honestly, like, if it was on purpose, yes. Like, and right. fucking, that's the one thing. But, yeah, I, 
yeah, I just I'm not gonna wish nobody never to wrestle again. Or, or and like I that. understand your your opinion. I, I yeah. think it, it should be explored more. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I mean, definitely and think if it this... was it was proven because you're innocent till proven guilty. If it was proven it was on purpose, then you should be banned and charged. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely, most definitely. But yeah. if, I'll, if I'll change was... my wording because you're you're right. I agree with you. But it, it just neither way. Hopefully the, the gentleman pulls through. That's the main thing. Oh, at the end of the day, that's first. Is absolutely hoping that this tragedy doesn't get worse with yeah. with something else unfortunate. And what makes me sick, you know, is people online, not on my page yet, but I, but I've seen some different things. You know, people laughing about it. That's horrible. Someone oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Even as a, if 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 you're one of the guys and you're laughing, shame you do deserve never to be in the bed. Like you go away. But a fan, like I, fans are going to do what they. It's a little less bad, but if you're if you're one of the boys and you're laughing or you're fucking sharing that poking fun at it, then yeah, that's shit. Yeah, anybody yeah. laughing should shouldn't should go away. That's just poor, um, because that's a human being. Yeah, fan or in the business. Yeah, uh, you know, if you're the kind of person that can make jokes of that, or or the even the worst kind of people, to me are the ones that say, you know, he deserved it or they deserved it. You know, for right. for doing that or for doing that kind of rest taking if they were stupid enough to do that, they deserve that. That's yeah, horrible. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Oh, did he say something about what it? About me and Ricky, the Jim Cornette, uh, me and Ricky's comment about fucking we shouldn't have survived. Like, there's people that have died and we survived doing that dumb shit, and you know him pretty much saying we should have died. You, you know, know, shit like that's not not cool. Like I say. No one has ever died in deathmatch wrestling. I can name you 30 guys that died in the ring and people in WWE, people in Japan, Strong Style, Owen Hart. You want to, I can go through a list of people that died in professional wrestling, and none have fell on the deathmatch yet. Right. So people should really reflect and study a little bit before they make comments, because you guys aren't actually out there trying to kill each other. It's the art, the craft. Right. So it's kind of ignorant when people make those statements, you know, because there's been a lot of unfortunate tragedies. You know, some of the best wrestlers in the world, Misawa, died in the ring. Owen Hart died in a gimmick going to the ring. Uh, just ridiculous, you know. Endless people have had heart attacks in the ring or, well, Pero Aguayo, a freak accident, broke his neck. You know, and none of that was death matches. Right. You know, and it's just uh, definitely a... Like I said, you know, for Deathmatch Radio News, we hope that El Cuervo makes a, a, a sudden uh, return. And we hope he, he's okay and pulls through. And best wishes to him and prayers. So uh, it's definitely it's sad to see anyone get hurt. I always do an award every year for you know, like the holy shit moment of the year. But I always put on the bottom of it, you know, this is an award for something impressive that a wrestler has done. This isn't glorifying an injury. You know, this isn't. We're not glorifying anything of anyone being injured because, as a fan, I, I don't want to see anyone get injured. I want to see a good match. I don't want to see something that's going to cause people to not be able to work or not be able to go home to their families. 100%. Yeah. Uh, any new merchandise? Uh, what's that now? I'm sorry. Okay. Any new merchandise? Um,. Yeah, hopefully some coming soon. Uh, we got a couple of different ideas. I want to do crew necks for the winter. Um, so nice. I'm trying to come up with a cool design for those. Um, and then uh, 
you know, yeah, hoodies, some different stuff, you know, like winter wear. Uh, sure. Definitely. And obviously you're still wanting to put out a, a shoot video eventually, which would be cool. Yeah, hopefully soon we'll be uh, able to get another shoot filmed and hopefully this one can be, you know, like uh, formatted. Definitely, definitely. So, okay, we're going to have more Lucha news um, later on in the show. Uh, before we get too far, now, we haven't done a show in a little while, so this may be a little bit old news now, but uh, we didn't talk about the L.A. Confidential show. Um, obviously, this was a show that had Nick Gage versus David Ar- Arquette. I don't think we need to go over it too in-depth. You know, um, uh, Before we go too far, I just want to ask you, Mike, uh, were you able to watch the show, and you know, what did you think of it? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. Um, it was okay. Uh, not my favorite GCW show. Um, Tony Depp and Jungle Boy was a pretty good match. I was kind of impressed by that match. Um, I really, uh, I was kind of let down by Hardcore Holly and uh, Brody King. I thought that might be more of a match, but it really uh, was just kind of. Yeah. Uh, Penelope Ford and, and actually Ethan Page wasn't bad. She actually takes some crazy, crazy bumps. Uh, she's kind of taken over for Joey Janela. I just watched a crazy match with her and Tara Vickery, Tara, uh, Tara Vickery, and uh, Wrestlecade or whatever the hell it is. And uh, you know she takes on some crazy, crazy bumps. Uh, the, the main event um, it was better than I thought it would be. I'll be honest with you. I went into it kind of. Going yeah, because I really uh, bring in David Arquette and I wasn't the hugest fan, but I give Arquette his props. Uh, he took some light tube shots. Uh, obviously, uh, he looked like he shot on Gage a few times because he got nervous. But he said that after. Um, he said good, nothing but good things. Uh, another match that I kind of before I talk more about the main event. I know there was a six way with Jimmy Lloyd. It was, it was all right. Uh, I kind of like Jacob Fat Two and KTB. Uh, Hopefully they bring in Fat Two more. Um, you know he's a real big guy. Moves uh, really well in the ring. Excuse me, Penelope Ford was Human Tornado. That actually had some brutal spots in it too. Tornado. Uh, it kind of reminded me of Tornado and Candice LeRae from uh, Pro Wrestling Girl. In a way, he was he was pretty brutal with her points. Um, Sasuke and DJZ was okay. I would have preferred Sasuke and uh, Amazing Red, but obviously Red had some travel conditions because of the. Uh, the storm on the uh, East Coast. He wasn't able to make it. Um, it was okay. Uh, DJ Z wore masks for part of the match. It was kind of strange. But uh, then we had Eli Everfly and Stunt, and Marco Stunt ended up breaking his leg really, really bad or his foot. Uh, I know he uh, they showed pictures of him. But yeah, the main event was okay. Uh, it got GCW a lot of media, um, good and bad, obviously. Uh, I know Hurricane Helms was running this trap. On uh, social media, saying that the promoters took advantage of David Arquette, and this—I don't think anybody took advantage of anybody. I think that uh, they had a pre-planned match, and David Arquette got a little nervous. But in the end, you know, he, he said nothing but good things about GCW. I mean, that's what you do—you promote shows. I mean, you you want to get your guys in there. And I mean, see, it was on TMZ. It was hyped all over. Um, it got GCW some more. Uh, Credit and variety, obviously, uh, being on TMZ is not something you normally see. You hear about Nick Gage on TMZ. I think that's probably the first time. Uh, well, probably the first time. Maybe years ago he was on there once. But, uh, you know, that's just something that uh, 
I think is is good for GCW. Uh, obviously, more mainstream fans. I mean, it was kind of a mainstream show, and then they brought in a few light tubes. If it wasn't, you know, a death match, was a death match crazy? No, but they did some light tubes and some crazy stuff. And I mean, for obviously for David Arquette. I really didn't expect him to do a whole lot of tubes and stuff, but uh, I give him credit. He tried. Uh, obviously, he got a little nervous in the end because he got that spot cut in the neck. That was kind of my thoughts on the show. And you, Stephen? Yeah, pretty much the same. You know, I liked what you would think, and I didn't like what you would think. I was uh, I was actually really excited for Hardcore Holly and Brody King, but, um, <clears throat> you know, Hardcore Holly... Um, He's maybe just a little older than we think he is. Like, he just, I don't know, it was just a short match. Nothing really happened. I thought the D'Lo Brown match was really a letdown. I thought D'Lo came in way out of shape, you know. He just looked terrible in there, to be completely honest. Um, the rest of the card was what it was. Fat 2 was great. I think Fat 2 was definitely the breakout. I'm sure he'll be back, you know, on one of the East Coast shows. Um, he's a big powerhouse. Tons of crazy strength. I mean, he was throwing KTB around like nothing. And um, the Marco stunt injury was brutal, absolutely brutal. He did, uh, uh, or he took a Canadian destroyer, and as he flipped over, his shins smacked a, a table or something, and apparently he just snapped his shin right in half, which oh, just sends shivers up my spine. Um, the main event, um, so yeah, real quick, I want to say a few things. So just to go over the match quickly, it was a basic match, you know, with Gage kind of dominating and Arquette doing some kind of comedy-ish, heel-ish, chicken shit spots and stuff. You know, it was what you would think. They brought out the light tubes. That first light tube shot gave Smash, or I'm, I'm sorry, Gage smashed the bundle over him and Arquette does this big overacted sell of the thing. I mean, it was awesome. I thought it was great. Um, I thought the show, or I'm sorry, I thought the match was actually, like you said, as far as a spectacle, like when you think of matches of like, you know, Shane versus Vince, you know, those kind of spectacle matches, this was right up there with it. I mean, this was engrossing, tons of drama. You worried for Arquette the whole time. And then, yeah, you know, um, um, I I immediately thought of... So what happened was Gage started going at him with the pizza cutter, and Arquette was just bleeding. And you know there's that moment when you don't realize how injured you really are, and then you realize it and you kind of freak out? I think that that's what happened. He just, you know, maybe he reached up and felt the blood and realized, whoa, I'm bleeding a lot. Gage is gouging him with the the light tubes, and Arquette, uh, you know, double legs his his you know he he grabs his legs and flips Gage down, and Gage the light tube drags on our on um uh Arquette's neck, and that's when he freaks out. He leaves the ring. They come back. They bullshit a little, and it looked like Arquette kind of shot on him, tried to do a bit of a a, a judo tumble with him. And Gage got a, you know, it it ended. But um, I see a lot of people saying a few things, and I just want to give my quick opinion. This is kind of like a life opinion. First of all, I, I want to say I immediately thought of a story that Nick Mondo told in one of his shoot interviews where he, he okay, Nick Mondo thinks that his Tournament of Death 1 finals against Wife Beater is one of his, is one of his worst matches. He openly says, like, I thought it was a terrible match. He goes, there was no story, no build. There was no reason, no point. It was just nonstop glass, blood, and violence, and I really hated it. And he said there was that one moment when he gave Wife Beater a German suplex, and Wife Beater's bloody blacks, bloody back slid up his uh, uh, chest and face, and he wound up with a mouthful of Beater's blood. And like Mondo said, he goes, 
it was a moment where I lost all adrenaline, all all everything, and I just went out of the fucking ring immediately. And I think that's what happened to our our cat. I think that he realized he was injured, it, and in one moment, it's not fun anymore, and he just wanted out of there. And I really think that that's kind of what happened. Um, as far as what what uh, Shane Shane Helms said, Shane Helms said, "Oh, GCW took advantage of his name." Isn't that what booking talent is about? You know, the 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 posters don't yeah. have a bunch of shadow figures with X's over them. Like you put the names and the the pictures on posters to sell tickets to draw, to bring in fans. I mean, that's the whole point. So I didn't really get what he was saying, but he did say that they put our cat in a dangerous situation. Um, the only thing that I've heard officially from anybody associated with it is that making the booking was pretty easy. Both parties uh, kind of reached out to each other mutually. The match was arranged with both. Like, there was no bait and switch. Nobody got had. I think that Arquette, you know, the match was laid out in a very easy way. Um, and I just think, like you said, Arquette freaked out. You know, he's apparently gone on Twitter and said he's officially done with wrestling, period. That was, as far as right now, his last match ever. They did film a documentary um, and, uh, I did reach out to try to talk to him, but I didn't get anything back. He's a big star. What, you know, he, he owns nightclubs, he owns bars, all of that. But I want to say one last thing about it, which is, um, one thing that I see a lot of people saying, and I just get really annoyed at this stuff is people go, what kind of mindset is David Arquette in to want to do this match for $500 or whatever? And I'm like, do you guys not understand that when you're a millionaire and you're set, you do things because you want to do them? You know what I mean? Like, he wanted to be a wrestler. That was his lifelong dream. And he was a wrestler. And he did it. And he had a, you know, he enjoyed his time for the most part. And even if he didn't enjoy it, he learned something or experienced it. He got the photos. He got the videos. He can now go down in history as saying, I had probably one of the most famous death matches in history and I bet in 10 years, if you ask him about it, I, you know, I kept on thinking, I'm like, he's going to do a shoot interview at some point or one of those breaking kayfabe commentary things. And I think David Arquette will have positive things to say about this, even though in the middle of the match, it was, it maybe got out of hand and stuff from all the interviews I see, he seems to have a positive experience, of, you know, from all of it. Absolutely. Um, as far as the show as a, a whole, like you said, they can't all be home runs. I mean, most people liked it. it uh, from an indie point of view, I think it ticked all the boxes. I know that the fight TV buys were pretty good and stuff. And um, I think it was still categorized as a win for the company, for sure. Um, next up we have, let me get my notes here really quickly. Um, then uh, this past weekend on November 24th, uh, GCW ran the G code. Now, um, this is not out on video yet. So what we're going to do, we're actually going to turn to, uh, Mike and Bucky. You guys were able to talk. Bucky was able to attend this show live. Bucky Hines, he's a member of the various deathmatch cult pages. He's a really, uh, cool guy. You know, he subscribes to the Patreon. He's a really nice guy. So, uh, Mike and you, or I'm sorry, Mike and Bucky were able to talk about the show. So we're going to go to Bucky's review of the show now. 
Right now we have uh, Bucky Hintz on here. Uh, Bucky's a great friend of the show. Uh, he's a he's an admin on the Deathmatch Cult page with me. Uh, super indie fan. Uh, goes to all these crazy shows. Uh, really, really supports the wrestling. So I'm gonna turn over to Bucky for a minute and just let him introduce himself. Hey, what's up, everybody? Uh, Bucky here. Uh, just I uh, was asked to come on here and do the uh, review for the Game Changer show that was this past Saturday on the 24th, I believe, was it? Yep. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I got that right. Uh, the G-Code in uh, Asbury Park at the House of Independence. Um, it was my uh, my first time at this venue. Actually, my first time in Asbury Park in general. Um, first off, the venue is really cool. Uh, the way it's set up, like everybody's pretty much seen how it's set up, obviously. You know, if they've watched the Live Fast, Die Young show. Um, I kind of was in there a little bit before the show. Kind of seen, uh, kind of seen who the uh, Matt Tremont replacement was going to be ahead of time, which I did end up sharing that with a few people. Um, but yeah, so apparently from what I'm told or what I've seen, the show was sold out. Um, all the seats were taken. From what I noticed, I sat GA because I didn't want to have a seat. I wanted to mingle with people and whatnot, um, especially if I'm doing a trip like that. So I want to be able to to uh, talk to and, and see as many people as I can that I know of that way. But anyways, enough of me blabbing. Um, <laughs> oh, no, that's cool. It's nice that you get a lineup for the show. Opening match then? Uh, yeah. Yeah, now I have a quick question just before you go into that. Obviously, this building, the first show, it kind of seemed like it's limited how much they can brawl in the crowd. Um, was there more of that here? Was the seating is it kind of right on the ring? and almost looks like a Beyond show. Um. Yeah, it was. A, it, it's it pretty much is. Um, the, this time they did have more seats though. Okay. Um, if you remember last time, the only seats that they had were on the stage, and then a oh. little bit um, in front of the stage there they had seats. <coughs> this time they had seats to the right of the hard cam as well. So by the brick wall, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yep, I got gotcha. you. Where I was, where I was, was I was in GA. I was right on the hard cam side. So they did a lot of stuff in the crowd this show. I mean, you had um, the, the tag match was out in the crowd quite a bit. Eric Ryan, Brandon Kirk was out in the crowd um, to my left. Um, you had um, Alex Colon and Homicide were in front of us a lot. Well, not a lot, but they did some stuff out in front of uh, on my side where I was at. See, where when I kind of watched the last show, I kind of looked at where I should be, where a lot of stuff's going to happen. Right. And thus why where I stood where I stood. Um, but yeah, the, the four-way, they did some stuff. I mean, pretty much almost every match, they did spots out in the crowd. Okay, awesome. I did hear some people complaining about that, but, you know, it, that's what makes a show even better, in my opinion. Absolutely. So what was the first match? How did the show start out? Uh, the first, well, the show started out originally with Joey Janela coming out Okay. and, you know, getting the crowd fired up. Um, he was talking about, um, you know, he talked about the injury and stuff like that. And then he brought up the announcement that I'm sure a lot of people have seen already for the dynasty show with, uh, Masato Tanaka making his debut against PCO. That's going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. It's very, uh, it's definitely something different. I, I commented to a guy's post. Um, on Facebook, how he, he said, oh, you know, Masato Tanaka should awesome bomb. 
the PCO out of the ring through a table. And I said, you know, Masato Tanaka is like, what, 20 years older than he was back when that happened? Right, right. <laughs> and PCO is a pretty big boy as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But after the Janelle announcement, the opening match was Facade and uh, Saeed El Sabah, I believe that's how it's said. Um, a lot of high-flying stuff. Um, Facade's girl got involved in it. She did like a Hurricane Rana type spot to Saeed. And I believe that Saeed went, or Facade, excuse me, went over with like a, like a flipping pile driver type variation, like a Canadian destroyer kind of thing. Okay. Um, pretty standard match. They didn't use any chairs or anything like that or, or doors or anything for this match. <laughs> excuse me. And then um, the second match was Homicide and, uh, oh, wait, Facade won that opening match. Do you want me to say the winners as well? You can, yeah. So Facade over Saeed in the opener. Um, the second match was Homicide and Alex Cologne. Um, I really, really enjoyed this match. This was a match that I was really looking forward to watching. Um, as we all know, both these guys are, are awesome, and Alex is absolutely killing it. Absolutely. They did um, They did some, use some chairs and some doors in this one. Uh, one, one kind of funny moment of the show was uh, – like I said, I, I was standing in GA on on the side that I was on, and they were brawling out in the crowd. And I think yeah, Homicide grabbed a, I think it was Homicide grabbed a door from under the ring and started beating Alex with it. And uh, one of my friends that was next to me, he, we were putting our arms up because I mean he this door was going pretty far back, right, <laughs> like right in front of our faces. And uh, so we had our hands up, and my buddy ended up getting hit in the hand with the <laughs> with the door. Um, yeah, it was, it was, this match was a lot of fun, really good match. Um, homicide went over with the cop killer or the gringo killer. I'm not sure which one it's called now. Probably (laughs) the gringo killer. Yeah. All right. So then your third match was, uh, Jimmy Lloyd and Rich Swan. Um, you know, a lot of people might think that this, you know, that this match is a little, I think I think a lot of people aren't giving this match as much love as it should get. Um, really fast paced, um, a lot of you know typical stuff from Rich Swan, a lot of his high flying spots, you know 450 stuff like that. I don't know if there was butter on the ropes, but um, there was a couple spots where people slipped on the ropes. Like Jimmy Lloyd went for like a like a cutter off the ropes, and he slipped like almost went through the ropes. Um, they did use some chairs and doors in this one. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd, I believe, did like a like a butterfly powerbomb off the ropes through a door <coughs> slash table wow. setup. Um, he's so good too and doesn't get the credit because he does do some death matches. But he he's really he's lost some weight. It looks like he's really gotten in sh- getting in shape. But he's really a, a good strong style wrestler in the ring. Jimmy? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure, 100%. He's, he, this year, he's even better. I think this is his best year. I mean, he's, he hasn't been around very long, but this year, he's definitely killing it. Absolutely, and he's had some amazing death matches, too. I mean, him and Brandon Kirk in GCW, him and Reed Bentley. Uh, obviously, that car wreck with him and Schlack in uh, Chicago, definitely. Yeah, he's, 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 definitely, uh, he's definitely one of the faces of Game Changer Wrestling, that's for sure. 
But uh, Jimmy Lloyd ended up going over in that match, defeating Rich Swan. I don't remember what the finish was. Um, I apologize. That's all right. <laughs> so you want me to go on the next one then, that tag? Yeah, you know, absolutely. If you don't remember the finishers, that's fine. All right, this one I kind of remember because uh, I think Crane named their finisher on Facebook for this match. Yeah, yeah. The Fuck Driver, I think it's called. Yep, yep. The fuck <laughs> I saw that earlier. Sounds about right for Marcus. Oh, uh, for sure. So then we had Crane and Schlack taking on the Rejects, which uh, I marked out quite a bit for this match because I, I, I really was wanting to see a tag match in GCW since the last one that we saw was from the Untouchables, wow. um, which was back in what May, I believe it was. Yeah. The, the rejects and the Los Mazisos. Yeah. Well, um, this one, ha- I mean, like I said before, and I've been telling people uh, the, the venue doesn't want glass. I'm pretty sure. Um, we didn't see glass the last show. We didn't see glass this show. Um, this match, they had a gusset plate board, uh, barbed wire board, a razor board, um, and I believe they used some doors as well. <clears throat> but um, this match was all over the place. I mean, it pretty much started out like uh, it's funny how GCW tag matches work. How there's generally no tags; it's just kind of a giant brawl. Right. Love that. <laughs> um, they were outside a lot for this match. Um, I remember. I remember. Um, Schlack did like. Um, I think he had both the rejects on chairs outside the ring. And he did kind of like a, a G-Raver type dive, I believe it was. Or wow. when he jumped out, he flipped onto them both. Um, I remember seeing a lot of Crane hitting uh, Reed Bentley with a barbed wire board. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck that, man. Like, <laughs> you're not going to hit me in the head with barbed wire, like, with it attached to a board. <laughs> Reed Bentley what? takes great bumps. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that he might have gotten hurt a little bit. Cause I did see like some people helping him outside the ring, okay. but I later saw him, um, him walking around and I, he was limping. So I'm not sure if it's anything serious or not. Um, I did talk to one of the guys that rode with him, um, or, uh, during the show, but I'm not real sure. I'm assuming that he's okay, but you had Crane and, Sh- um, Schlack picked up, I think John Wayne Murdoch like a doomsday device type thing. And then crane did like a DDT type thing, which like we said earlier, they're calling the fuck driver. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Um, awesome. Then you had your next match, which was your um, Matt Tremont's replacement with Brandon Kirk taking on Eric Ryan. Um, I love this match. I mean, I'm probably going to get some poop for it. Uh, but Brandon Kirk is is very good. I mean, yeah, he he's a very young guy. He's crazy, um, limited crazy. I think there's a lot of things that he doesn't want to do, but they somehow always seem to work it. You know, hit the things that he doesn't want to do. They seem to work it into the match well. Um, Brandon Kirk obviously gets a lot of heat in Game Changer Wrestling for you know the other places that he works. Um, so they had some Legos, some doors. They had a barbed wire door. Um, Eric Ryan's been coming out with like this chain, which with um, the fork ends on attached to it. Um, 
Yeah, this match was really good. Fast-paced, um, strong style type match. They did some spots outside the ring as well. Um, yeah, and you had to look nuts where he, he gave him like a kick in the face and then like a, a backdrop driver right on his fucking head. Yeah. They, this really nuts. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, this match was really good. I think people are really going to be surprised with how good this match was. Um, I, I Like I said, I kind of seen Brandon Kirk in the building earlier in the day, so I, I assume that's who's going to be taking over for Matt Tremont. Well, Brandon and Jimmy had a great GCW match. Um, you know, it was a no war barbed wire match they had. And then Brandon and Mance had a good match in GCW. And Brandon and Jimmy had that crazy match in uh, CZW, too, with the square circle sacrifice. So I know people shit on him, but he, he's definitely a talent in the ring. Yeah, no no doubt. I, th- I, think he, I think just because he works for CZW that he doesn't get, you know, right. more of the that it, that he deserves. Well, he no showed that one time, so it's probably like people kind of probably trying to shit on him for that. Well, I, didn't, I shouldn't say no showed. He canceled his booking, so it kind of made a point of contention for people. But we got to get over it. It's indie wrestling, you know. Yeah. Who cares? He went out and put on a great match. That's awesome. Yeah, and that was earlier this year, wasn't that? Um, he was supposed to, or no? He jobbed out to Homicide in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, after he canceled that booking, I guess, or. I'm not real sure, but he jobbed out the homicide pretty pretty quickly earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know he was. Uh, I think it was Green versus Red. Him and Mance Warner both uh, didn't uh, cancel at the last minute because uh, there was supposedly DJ Hyde told people they had to choose. Supposedly, I don't know the whole deal, and people online, you know, were jumping on it. But uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, he, the match looked crazy to me. The clips I saw looked fucking nuts. It's one I really want to see. I mean, along with. Uh, you know, Slack and Marcus and the Rejects. Clips look great. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're definitely right on that show. I, I There's been so many shows this year, so it's hard to remember. But, hey, you're you're 100% correct. That was the show that, that uh, people were upset about that all going down at, supposedly. Um, So then next you had your four-way with Teddy Hart versus Grim Reefer versus um, Puma King. And was it uh, Gringo Loco, I believe? Yes. Um, <clears throat> this match, they were all over the place. Um, you know, these four ways, I was talking to a friend and I said, you know, these four ways are, are just craziness. I mean, there's just shit happening everywhere. Um, it's chaotic. It's like controlled chaos, obviously. And uh, Teddy Hart, I mean, Teddy Hart, people have probably seen the picture he hit probably the biggest moonsault I've ever seen to the outside of the ring. Um, I, I think it was on Steven's um, newsletter that I saw earlier this morning. Yep. Picture of Teddy and moonsault. And I was standing on that side and I looked and I was like, my God, that is absolutely insane. <laughs> um, it was, I marked out too. It's my first time I ever saw Teddy Hart live too. So may, maybe the mark in me came out quite a bit for that. He's so good. He's so oh, good. Oh, man. Jersey All-Pro shows back in the day live. And uh, it's just a shame that he gets in his own way because he should be making millions in WWE. I mean, he's just so good in the ring. Yeah, and he's and he's super, you know, he has a super good character. Yeah. Um, I did, when I was leaving, I walked by him. I was going to say what's up, but I'm really kind of kind of weird like that. I don't really, I don't really like bothering people. Yeah. But uh, Puma King I'd never seen before either. 
And it's kind of weird. He's quite a bit bigger than I thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not a skinny guy. He's not a fat guy. He's like, he's a chubby guy. He's got a, he's got a little bit of weight to him. Um, Grim Reefer, from what I know, he hasn't been around from what I, I think he does indie shows out there, doesn't he? Yeah, he mostly does like FTW and, and New York City shows. Um, he he was a guy. He did CZW back in the day. He did a lot of the New York City and Philly indies. Uh, he did a lot of Jersey All Pro stuff. But he hasn't been quite as active in years. He's getting up. He's done some hardcore stuff too. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't do as much as he used to. I know. I know. I've seen him in CZW quite quite a bit in the past, but I haven't really heard much of him for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, he's not as active as he used to be. Um, I didn't really. I'm not familiar with a lot of Grim Reefer spots and stuff like that. But um, Gringo Loco, he uh, he almost fucked himself up pretty good. He does this spot where the guys are outside the ring and he runs towards the ropes and he jumps on the second rope and does like a senton kind of thing to a group of the guys outside the ring. Well, when he went to do that, I don't know if his foot slipped or, or what happened. Like I said, there must have been butter on the ropes a few times during the show. And, uh, you know, he, he botched it, let's just be honest. They call a spade a spade. Um, but I think a lot of the other spots and a lot of the a lot of the action made up for, for that easily. A very physical match, a lot of high-flying stuff. Um, you had Teddy Hart winning the four-way. One thing I want to say about these four ways is I wish that they would have, um, you know, like when you had the four way at NGI, it was for the extreme title. Right. I think these like four ways should either have some kind of, you know, like a stip, like a no more contender or like something like that, because, you know, it's just a, a four way for a four way. I mean, I get it. It makes sense. It doesn't have to be have a storyline or anything, but I just wish that there's maybe like a, an added incentive, I guess. Yeah, maybe to even it. like another title would be cool, like a King of the Four Ways title or something. You know, something, yeah. Like, I mean, some kind of some kind of thing like that, um, like a cru- you know, like a cruiserweight title, like you said, or, or or something like that. Because you have a lot of these guys who are are hybrid wrestlers, you know, who can do the deathmatch stuff, who do high flying stuff, who do strong style stuff, and, and you could, I mean. I don't know. I love Game Changer Wrestling, but the whole belt situation there is a little little weird. Right. You know, with the tag belts, they haven't been around since May either, which I understand, you know, the Los Mazizos have, is it? But, but yeah, it anyway, like, that's a totally different conversation. That's okay. No, that's that's why we do these things, you know. That's cool. Yeah, I don't I, I don't see Los Mazios uh, coming to t- anytime soon either. They're still having problems with the visas, and obviously with the political state of the United States, it's kind of hard to, to get a working visa right now for Mexico. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I totally understand that. It's, it's, you know, it's, I think eventually they should do something with it, with the tag belts, you know, because you don't want to go a year and, you know, and there's no defense or anything. I mean, it's not close to a year, but right. it's been May, almost eight months, you know. Yeah, six, seven months. Definitely, you know. You have them maybe lose them in Japan or have them lose them in Mexico or lose them in Japan or something uh, or, you know, do a tournament. And then when they can come back, you could even you could even shoot an angle when they come back. We're the real tag champions, you know, versus the guys that won the tournament. Right. I mean, but that, you know, and that's another thing, too, is like 
<clears throat> they don't really have too many tag teams. You know, the rejects are pretty much the only right the tag team, you know. Right. It was kind of cool, though, the few months that they're bringing in people to fight the rejects. Um, I really liked the Viking War Party match they had. Um, and the Headhunters was cool. It kind of, it was kind of, you know, they brought in uh, the hooligans in one month. It was kind of cool they were bringing in different people to take them on, you know, and kind of build it up a little bit. Yeah, I liked, yeah, I liked it when they were bringing in guys like that. I think, I think they had to because I don't, they don't have really too many homegrown type tag teams out. Right. Out that way, I mean, Private Party, I re- I remember them. Right. I think they had they had the tag belts before the rejects got them, I believe. Correct. Yeah, they lost them in the three with the hooligans. Oh yeah, because they use like barbed wire boards and stuff like that. I believe in yeah. that match. Yeah, yeah, I'm dying to see a, a deathmatch tag team tournament because there's a lot of good teams around now. You know, the hooligans, the Young Dragons, uh, Storm of Entrails, or Marcus and Slack, uh, Slack and Maria. Uh, obviously, the Rejects. Uh, you know, even Mance and uh, Marcus Crane did some stuff in Black Label. There's a lot of teams. The hooligans can do, you know, hardcore and death stuff. There's a lot of really good teams out there now. It'd be cool to see that again at some point. See, see, now that you bring the tag stuff up, I'm actually, I've been kind of throwing this idea out there here and there to some people um, in regards to, I mean, this is this is a ways away, but having tournament of survival being a tag deathmatch tournament would be something completely different. Something that hasn't been done in a while. And you can get a lot of talent in one show by using tag teams. <laughs> Absolutely, I agree. And there's the tag teams that could do it. You know, you've got Jesus, you've got the the Awakening. You know, you got Cannonball and Tremont, or Tremont and Gage. I mean, there's a a list of tag teams out there. You could even throw together a few, you know, dream tag teams if you wanted to. You know, you could throw Eric Ryan in with somebody. There's just a lot of uh, tag teams out there that you could do it. Now, obviously. It's hard expense-wise, this because you got to pay double the roster. You know what I mean? Yep. That's why a lot of promotions kind of stay away from it. But it'd be cool to see. You know, I remember some of those double deaths that IWA did. The first couple were pretty good. The third one, they, they kind of put too many teams in it. And really, right. you remember the, the first rounds kind of was all like it was kind of like uh, Hogan against Barry Horowitz kind of matches. You know, no one knew <laughs> half the guys. They took it like I remember. Uh, Rabid Bob, 666, and some other fucking dude, like Murder Inc., Aaron Gunn, Murder Inc., I've never fucking heard of them. I remember uh, Donnie Pepper Cricket and Stephen Saint. I mean, uh, you know, they had these teams they pulled out of their ass because 16 teams was too many. But when they did the A-team format, you know, uh, Baka Jean and uh, Tough Crazy Bastards the one year was really cool. Then VOD the next year was cool. It was cool when they did eight, but they tried to go crazy that last year. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of stick the tournaments to eight people. Do the I best see. of the best. I don't need 16, 24 guys. Just give me eight of the best. I agree, because then they try to, you know, the 16 ones, okay, once in a while, but they try to make all the multiple matches. And I, I'm not really a fan of the multiple guy matches in tournaments. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, it's just... Had those uh, ones. Like, I, I, I thought the NGI finals was really cool this year, but boy, I'd love two more matches. I don't know about you. You were there. Yeah, I would have. I, I would have preferred. I mean, I probably would have preferred a one-on-one finals. Did I like the four the four-way finals? Eh, I'm not a big fan of four ways, as I think that sometimes it can turn into a giant fuck fest. Yep. 
and it's it's hard to follow sometimes. I mean, it's craziness when you're there live, um, but you I mean you don't know where to look, and it's so much right. stuff going on at a time. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, I'm not sure when that's going to be made available, but we'll have a full review from the, the two of us next week. Uh, I'm excited to see it because it looked like a really, really fun show. I especially want to see the Jeff Cannonball G Raver match because you know they had an awesome match at TOD a couple uh, last year in 2017. So I'm definitely excited to see that show. Um, the big news from the show is that they're going to be bringing in Masato Tanaka for a show on December 29th in Asbury Park. Um, he's going to be taking on P P C. CO. Um, a lot of people are saying, great, this is like Tanaka versus Mike Awesome, part, you know, part 37, you know, one of those types of hard-hitting matches. Uh, what do you think about the match? I think it's going to be a good, uh, really good match. Um, uh, you know, uh, I think PCO matches up well with him. I don't know if I would say P- compare PCO to Awesome. Um, maybe. I think they were a little bit different style. Um, I think Awesome was a little bit... Mm, I don't want to say more athletic because PCO is not human. <laughs> Some of the stuff he does it in his 50s is crazy, but it's definitely a match that's got me excited. Uh, obviously, uh, it, PCO and Parker just had a match that I thought really went above expectations, and uh, I, I think uh, I think it's really going to be a, a hard-hitting affair. Uh, Tanaka's a guy, I think, who doesn't get enough credit. Um, his, his matches with Mike Awesome and... Uh, FMW, ECW were just amazing. Uh, I'm a huge fan of their series. I'm a huge Mike Awesome fan. Uh, I'm a huge... Uh, I actually had the pleasure years ago, I was at a taping for ECW in uh, Salem, uh, New Hampshire, and uh, it was uh, Tanaka Dreamer against uh, Raven Awesome against the Impact Players, and I actually ran into Awesome in the hotel lobby, and I got talking with him and Jeff Jones, and I actually had dinner with them which is one of the highlights of uh, my, my time for shows. They were nice, and we all sat down and kind of, you know, in the bedroom, we all sat down and had dinner together and a couple drinks. And, uh, you know, I was a huge Mike Awesome fan. Uh, I won't even go into WCW and WWE booking of him because I'll bitch for 20 minutes. But, uh, you know, their feud is legendary in Japan. Their feud is legendary over here. So I think uh, Peace Stone Tanaka will be very hard-hitting and very athletic and definitely uh, – Maybe it's a hype of something. Maybe we'll see another match down the road from them. It'd be cool. It's definitely uh, it's going to be a hard hitting match. Um, I you know someone made the joke online that they were going to brawl all over the building and tear the building down. And I was like, well, now I just have this this image of Peter versus the chicken from Family Guy, and these guys just tearing <laughs> the ceiling down. You know. Um, awesome. So one thing I wanted to comment on actually was. Um, so a bit of a spoiler, and I hope he doesn't mind that I say this. Uh, Brett actually uh, Bahu, he recorded an interview with Kentaro, Kentaro, Ken, uh, Kentaro Kanemura, the FMW star, and um, one thing that he said, and I was able to listen to it. He made this one comment. You know, there's always this discussion of was Hayabusa the right guy to carry FMW after Onita, and he asked. Kanemura, and he said, absolutely, he goes, no, absolutely not. Hayabusa was the wrong guy, and it should have been Tanaka, and before we could even say, say, you know, you know, you know, ask why, he goes, 
he's still wrestling right now at the age of 40-whatever. He's in incredible shape. He's still having great matches. Tanaka should have been the one to carry that company. Um, and I thought that was pretty interesting. But it is true. Tanaka is still wrestling 15 to 20 times a month. He's in incredible shape. And now he's going to come over to the U.S. And I know that... Um, you know, he's going to be doing a couple other shows in the U.S. I think he's wrestling for, like, AIW or something. He's going to be wrestling in the U.K. And there's a decent chance you'll see him later next year. So um, that was pretty interesting. But, yeah, I'm excited for, for that. And it really fits the GCW model of bringing in these hardcore icons for a rejuvenating match, you know. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention was, um, so they have the the... Uh, the big deathmatch show that's going to be in Chicago in February. And uh, Nate Webb is basically saying on Twitter that he's going to be doing a deathmatch on this show. And it got me thinking, uh, what are your Nate Webb uh, memories? Um, um, obviously, uh, thinking of Nate Webb, I always think of the series of matches he had with J.C. Bailey in Mid-South and then CZW. I mean, they matched up so well. Uh, they had ladder matches and light tube ladder matches. They had one match where Nick Mondo came in and they had a three-way. It was amazing. Um, I think of the crazy match he had with Two Top Tony, where Tony cut his wrist and was literally spraying blood out of it and eyes wide open the show right up in Mid-South. Um, I think of, uh, obviously, the finals of the 2002 tournament, uh, Nate Webb and Necro Butcher. Uh, and um, everything, including lobsters match. I mean, they were beating each other with live lobsters. <laughs> Anybody remembers that match? It was a, it was a, a finals, a 200 light tube, electrified barbed wire lamps, house of pain, Caribbean spider web, pool of lobsters, uh, um, throwing the kitchen sink kind of match. Uh, it was a good tournament, uh, a dysfunction, and Nate had a really good match in there. And Pondo and Nate had a good match. I always think of him and his El Dronco gimmick too. That he, that he did for a while. And obviously, when you think of Nate, you can't think of anything but the entrance to him. I mean, obviously, Nate Webb's entrance. And, and he was really a, a good quality wrestler, I think, that didn't get the credit he should. Um, you know, he had really good matches with Hero, with Punk, back in the day, while he did the, the uh, death match thing also. Uh, you know, he had some pretty crazy death matches. That's kind of what I think of when I think of uh, Nate Webb. There's... um. There's actually a story that the the lobster died because they put it in the the wrong water when they were, like, right. you know, when they were waiting for the show to start. But um, I think it'll be kind of cool to see Nate Webb get back into the death matches. I know that um, it, you know, Marcus Crane on Twitter basically laid down the challenge and said, "Hey, I'll I'll do it, and we'll tear the house down and everything." So that'll be great. That February show will be pretty good for sure. Um, so that's all we got for GCW news. Um, now, before we go too far, um, I wanted to get into this um, uh, Angel O. Demios um, incident. Um, I'll let you go over it. It was on November 19th at a show for a company called Paul, P-A-L-L, in Mexico. Um, I'll, I'll let you go over the incident. Well, they're, they're having a, a tombstone kind of match casket match, excuse me, and uh, El Cuervo, who was a Puerto Rican wrestler, you know, he gave him some pretty hard chair shots, but Angel Ademino no-sold him, so it didn't seem like it was too ridiculous, 
and then they had some cement blocks in, in the ring or bricks and whatnot. And, uh, you know, obviously it looked like Demon got pissed off because he took the chair shots, but he both sold them, like I said. So it really didn't look at anything too crazy. And then uh, Cuervo was walking outside of the ring, and Demon took a, a cinder block or a piece of rock, and they hit him in the back of the neck and the head in one of the most disgusting spots I've ever seen. Um, you know, if he went on the tw on Twitter and in the interviews and things. Demino said, "Oh well, it was kind of an accident, but I was giving him a receipt." Um, I I hope that they never see that motherfucker again. Uh, I, I did an interview with uh, the Reed recently, and they kind of said that, and you know, and, and Reed was smart. He's like, "Well, you know, it could have been an accident." I don't know. If it was an accident, I don't think I would have went on after and said it was a receipt. I just think it was heinous. I think it's an amazing that he didn't kill El Cuervo. Um, I, I think uh, we should never see him in wrestling again. They should ban him for life. Um, I'm a fan of deathmatch wrestling, and as an asshole like that, doing something stupid like that, that's going to give it a, a bad name. No one's ever died in deathmatch. People have died in regular matches. People have died in strong style matches. People have died in WWE, falling from the sky for stupid bullshit spots. Um, no one's ever died in a deathmatch. It almost changed that day. Um, you know, if something like that happened over in America, it would be the end of death matches. Uh, there'd be regulations. It'd be all over t television and internet. Um, and it's just disgusting. It, it was. Um, I think they should arrest him for attempted murder. Uh, it was one of the just the most disgusting spots. You know, and and I see people online glorifying it. You know, I know there's another page online where they made a, a joke about it with him holding up a brick saying happy Thanksgiving or some shit. That's disgusting. Um, we, we covered it on the call, but I'm not going to glorify that bullshit. I'm not going to have any more Angel Demon matches ever on our call page. Um, it just, I don't support that. Um, I hope El Cuervo is okay. He seems to be making recovery, but he had to have a you know a blood clot removed from like his brain or his neck. That's ridiculous. That's a, assault with uh, intent. It's not even got a place in wrestling. It was just horrific to watch. Um, you know, no humor in it at all. And for people that are making humor of it, I, I just kind of shows what assholes they are. It's just my opinion. Um, you know, I know there was all kinds of spots online where people were joking. That's just disgusting to joke when someone is almost killed. Uh, obviously, the commission stepped in. They banned him indefinitely. Uh, the promoters are uh, are going to be in some trouble. They're asking questions because uh, they weren't supposed to have that kind of match in that certain Mexican state. And, and a lot of wrestlers, uh, La Parca, Sin Bodhi, um, a lot of different people have put money together to help this guy. So it's nice that the wrestling community has stepped up. I know there's some GoFundMe things and different kind of uh, uh, things online where people are going to help him. So it's just nice that uh, everyone has taken a minute and they're stepping up and, uh, and trying to help this poor guy because... It's just disgusting. Uh, like I said, uh, Angel Demon, I, I get he's been around a while. I wouldn't call him a legend or anything. I mean, he's an old bastard. Uh, he's done some stuff with different guys. But like I say, it just angers me to uh, to think about it uh, because it just uncalled for. Uh, it's amazing that he didn't die. And I know that uh, Rob Viper is on Twitter. He's been raising money, too. Uh, a lot of people have been doing stuff to raise money, so that's awesome. That's that's my take on it, Stephen. How about you? Pretty much the same. I, I'm amazed. Um, when, so I was sent the video, and I, and I like someone, someone, someone tweeted it at me with, like, the caption of, 
hey, watch this crazy shit. And, um, you know, I saw some of the kind like, I, I was anticipating a, a cinder block spot, kind of similar to, like, the DJ Hyde um, Thumbtack Jack match, maybe, or something. Right. Now, I want to say right now, I'm not a huge fan of cinder blocks in wrestling anyway. It's not, I don't think it's that cool or anything like that. And I don't think you get a lot of bang for your buck from, like, a visual standpoint. He just whips this brick at the guy's head. I don't see how it's not, like you said, attempted murder. And, um, you know, I know the the commission has claimed that, and the commission down there is very serious. Uh, I've had tons of different people tell me that, like, no, if the commission says that you ain't doing something, you ain't doing it, period. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, apparently they've suspended uh, his license until Cuervo wrestles. So as long as he doesn't wrestle, this Angel Demo guy, he's never going to wrestle again is what it's looking like. But I even said in the newsletter, I'm like, look, all of these old – this mo- this motherfucker has friends who will vouch for him and try to get him on shows and blah, blah. And that's like the grossest part is like can you imagine – you know, it's not that hard to imagine. Okay, let's be very real for a minute. Ian Rotten has criminally assaulted people in the ring multiple times. What he did to Peter Be Beautiful, where he was ransacking him over and over with unprotected chair shots to the head while he laid unconscious on the on the concrete. What they did to M- Mike Levy, which that might have been a work, I don't know, but it definitely looked very, very dangerous. Ian Rotten has criminally assaulted people, and if you bring it up, you get the, it ain't, Ballet, sister, don't be a pussy, blah, blah. You get that kind of stuff. I would hope that if Ian Rotten threw a cinder block at the back of, let's just say, Jimmy Lloyd's head, I would hope that the industry would pool together and he'd, he'd be done. I would hope. you know, and I, and, and I really hope that this guy really is never seen again. I mean, he's a, he's a big, fat piece of shit. He can't wrestle anyway. And, um, yeah, it's just disgusting. It was one of the most heinous things I've ever seen in my life. It wasn't a spot. It wasn't a move. It wasn't cool. It wasn't funny. He just tried to murder him. And what if that kid died? Yeah, I mean, it's, seriously speaking, like, can you imagine getting hit in the back of your It's It's one thing to have a brick thrown at you. It's another to when you don't see it coming. And, it, oh, my God, it's just terrible. I can't believe it. So, um, yeah, I, I, I said on Twitter what I said was, I hope the motherfucker dies penniless working in a fucking cornfield somewhere with raw bloody fingers for pennies. So that's what I hope happens to him. So okay. The thing is too is I mean that's going to impact this guy's life. I mean he's got he can't even go home cuz he can't travel for at least a month cuz of the head injury. That's going to be something that's probably going to bother him the rest of his life. He's a young man. Uh he's got a family, he's got kids and a wife. That's going to impact how he lives. Uh, he's in a foreign country visiting wrestling. It's it's just absolute bullshit. Like I said, and then there, and, you know people are under Angel No Demon. you know fuck you if you stick up Angel No Demon, then you're a fucking asshole just like he is. That's just my opinion, and I don't like to curse and stuff as much, but it just disgusts me that much. You know if something like that happened over here, we probably wouldn't be having a death match wrestling anymore. We wouldn't be having a show. Because everyone and everywhere is would ban it. Um, it's like that. It just makes it look bad. Um, and, and and my hopes to God that some sick motherfucker doesn't try to replicate that spot either. Because there are stupid people that do extremely stupid shit. So if you're out there and you're listening and this is something that you think, oh, that was awesome, it wasn't. Don't fucking do it. Do it to yourself. 
How about that? Get a camera and smash yourself in the back of the head with a fucking cinder block and do the world a, a favor. Um, wasn't funny. Like I said, there's another page. I'm not going to even acknowledge the page because they're assholes and they don't even need acknowledgement. They're making memes of it. No, oh, it's so funny. It's not fucking funny. It's disgusting. Uh, it's, it's just, that's all I got to say. All right. Well, moving on to something that is kind of funny. Uh, CZW Cage of Death. So, um, okay, did you see this, uh, okay, so they've officially announced it's going to be Matt Tremont and Onita versus DJ Hyde and Masada. I love Matt Tremont to, to death. I consider him a long-distance friend, you know what I mean? Did you see this promo that they filmed to hype this uh, match? I didn't. You didn't? Oh, my goodness. I didn't, okay. oh. I'm so, going to have to, though, huh? Okay, so let me give do a quick play-by-play. Um, I didn't watch the whole thing. I mean, I, I skipped around because it was just it, – it was bad. And, um, again, I want to say uh, Matt Tremont's a – you know, he's a friend of the, the, the show, a friend of the website. I think, I think that Matt Tremont's made some of the best promos as far as, like, this – you know, the New Jersey indie scene has seen in, like, you know, years and stuff. Oh, um, his his Onita one was epic. Epic. Uh, the original one with the video and, and uh, Kasha or Kesha music in the background. That's fucking amazing. I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like one of the best ever, easily, without a doubt. And um, so if, hey, sometimes things don't, you know, you have a good idea for a promo and it doesn't work. Sometimes there's a second guy in the room and maybe he's the one calling the 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 shots. And I would kind of put it on, on that idea. So... Matt Tremont's in an office, and they uh, DJ Hyde comes in, and they have this like total WWE style camera lurking in the corners kind of promo, you know, where DJ Hyde comes in, and they keep on. I didn't get it for the first like two minutes. He keeps they keep on saying her and she, like they're like, you know, Matt. And and by the way, DJ Hyde is such. A weirdo. <laughs> he's such a weirdo in this promo. He's just he's talking with this big gruff voice, and it's like DJ Hyde, bro. You're like, <laughs> if you <laughs> if you looked like Zandig, if you looked like this big bodybuilder Jack dude, okay, fine. But you're like this dragon cloaked Ninja Turtles uh, villain guy who's got like a big pot belly and stuff. You know, like come on, man. So <laughs> he comes in and he starts going. When you left her, she was dying. I didn't leave her for these reasons. And they keep on saying her and she, and apparently her and she is the the company. And they're talking about when you left the combat zone, and they, they keep saying when you left her, she needs you. You have to, you know, come back to save her. I'm trying to find this too. I'm looking, what, what, is it on Twitter? I'm frantically looking this up as we're talking. It's like 12 minutes long. It's got to be on YouTube. It's probably on the combat zone YouTube. It's my okay. guess. So, um, so this goes on for 12 minutes and they put in some, and they intersplice some, uh, match footage and stuff. But I mean, it's, 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 I don't want to just call it embarrassing and just kind of shit on it, but it's just really bad and corny and pretty weak. But this is the hype for the, uh, for the, the tag match. And, you know, Matt Tremont, I didn't even really get what it is. Like, I don't know what's at stake because like DJ Hyde wants Tremont to come in and save the company. So this comes down to like I, I always say that CZW runs low rent TNA promos the way TNA runs low rent low rent 
WWE promos. You know what I mean? Like, it's... It, it, they're trying to do these big promos for a company when there's 80 people in the, the crowd. It's like, what's at stake, man? Like, you're all trying to trying to save her. Are you guys going to be billionaires or something? It, it, it's so ridiculous. So, Tremont oh. says, well... I'm well. I heard that you're bringing in somebody, so I'm gonna so I'm gonna get the deathmatch god, and he's gonna be my partner. And Hyde is like, "Oh yeah, really? Well, I've got the ultra violent beast." And it's like this just could have been done a lot better, you know. I, I found it not to listen to it after. <laughs> yeah, you'll get a like. I'll be amazed if you make it the whole twelve minutes. I started to skip around. Um, so that's gonna be the match. Um, just to go over a couple of the other matches. Uh. MJF is out. Uh, he, he has a fractured elbow. It's going to be RSP versus Mance Warner in the Cage of Death, which to me sounds like a better match, to be mm -hmm. honest. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I hope Mance wins. Uh, I, I would rather see him as CZW champion. I, I think he cuts great promos. Um, I thought he was kind of the unsung hero of the Tournament of Death last year. I thought he had two great matches. Um, like I said, I, I'm not the... Big Ricky Shane uh, Page supporter. Uh, he's okay, but I, I think it'd be kind of cool to see Mance win. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so, okay, so, I mean, MJF will just say he's the better wrestler and the better star, but Mance Warner and RSP, they're going to have the better cage of death match, you know? Um, then you have Jimmy Lloyd, Mitch Vallon, uh, Maria Manic, and I forget the fourth person. Do you know? Dan Dan O'Hare, thank you. They're going to be taking on uh, The Office. I don't know who the fuck these guys are. It's Connor Claxton, and I don't know the other three. I have no idea. Brandon Kirk. Okay. Uh, Kid Osborne and some chick. I don't know who she is either. Yeah. Um, her and, name. and I'm sorry if that sounds rude. I don't watch CZW regularly. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? It, whatever. Then the rest of the card is just your CCW mid-card Dojo War stuff. Um, I don't know. What do you think of the show going into it? Um, the last couple shows I've, I've liked. Um, there's been shit I haven't liked on it, but I like the Deathmatch stuff. And there's some strong style stuff. Uh, I think Shane Page and Warner could have a good match. Um, I'm not sure about you need a Masada high. I'm not sure how that's going to go. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, I think the uh, the four on four could have been good. I would have put the four on four match in the cage too. To be honest with you, um, I would have did a double cage death match. I would have did that one, and I would have did the other one. Uh, I did that years ago with Blackout, and then with the death match with uh, the Hate Club after. But uh, I would have did something like that. I think that would have been cool. Um, I don't know too much of the other matches, like you said. It'll mostly be dojo guys. I haven't heard any other real big names. Uh, I'll watch it. I mean, I. Will I go out right away and run and get it? No, but I'll watch it when it comes to me. Um, I've been at Cage of Death before. Um, I, I I think it could be a good show. Um, I don't know yet. I, I was happy with the way the last two shows have gone. But like I said, two shows don't make up for a year, and, and I'm still not ready to buy the bread yet because I, I want to watch them run for a while. I think it was very sloppily thrown together. Um, I find out two weeks before I need this coming. Very quiet. Uh, the GCW Onita came, sold out, big hype. Uh, CZW Onita came, uh, we spelled his name wrong. 
Um, we don't know. Uh, people aren't really talking about it much. Um, the cage match changed last minute. It doesn't, you know, cage of death is generally a year build. Uh, Tremont High, the year build on the forefathers of CCW and the tough, crazy bastard and Joker, a year build. Uh, these great feuds, uh, Sammy Colhane and Danny Havoc, you know, long build. Really isn't much build for this. Um, I think that's something that CCW is missing is uh, the long builds and the feuds, something that they're, they're uh, you know, famous for. You know, this is Cage of Death 20, uh, something they're famous for. So I think that kind of hurts it. I mean, it's just kind of a, a last minute. I mean, we really have no build with, I mean, I, I'll watch this epic 12-minute promo later, but Hyde and Tremont haven't wrestled each other in years. Um, Masada and Onita are thrown in and you know, I'm much of a build there. I mean, I don't know. I don't think uh, Onita's going to, maybe he'll take a skier spot, but I doubt it. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Man, I didn't even realize the two things that you just said. I mean, first of all, Combat Zone Wrestling blocked me on Twitter. That's so girly of him. <laughs> it, it's so funny. <laughs> so, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. Un, un, unless another, like, literally, Mance Warner retweets stuff, and uh, on my screen it says tweet not available. So Mance Warner's like, I'll see you there. And I'm like, see you where? I don't know, you know? <laughs> so, um, but this is the 20th anniversary of the Cage of Death. I, I didn't even realize that. I mean, I, I, I know that the, 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 the promo graphics have the XX in the background, but that could just be X's because people think X's are, are cool. And the other thing is, yeah, this is, this is DJ Hyde and Matt Tremont. The, they had like probably the few, to, the only time DJ Hyde was really ever anything really was like, oh, that was probably what, nine years ago or so. But they had like feud of the year at one point, and now this is just yeah they throw yeah. it together twelve days before the show with some bullshitty YouTube clip. They're bringing in Onita, no, and everyone's just laughing at him. Um, I'm sorry if anybody on the show is listening to this. I'm sorry if like I come off as sounding harsh on them or whatever, but this show is built so poorly. Nobody cares. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I wish them luck. I know they're in the, so they're going to be at the ECW arena. I don't know if they're yep. going to allow blood. I reached out and sent them an email just asking a few clarifications. Hey, am I allowed to tell people, will there be blood? I got nothing back. What I did get was I got some weirdo telling me he worked for the company and he wound up just being some weird fan. Uh, I... It, it, it was the weirdest 15-minute chat I ever had with, with someone where I'm like, you have weirdo wannabe fans trying to do your own job for you. Um, it's going to be at the CCW, or I'm sorry, the ECW arena. I know that the rent on that building is larger than most. They are bringing the, you know, the ring in Onita. They've got to set up the cage. I won't be shocked if they take a bath on this show like they have been for quite a while on their shows. Um, I'm not super excited for it. I'll watch clips. I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to spend 12 bucks on this show. That's all I'm going to say. So I wish them luck, but I'm not excited for the, for the show at all. So, um, anything else that you want to add to, to that? No, no. Uh, 
you know, I'll watch it when I watch it. Um, I hope they do well. Um, like I said, I've been a very harsh critic of CZW the last year. Um, the last two shows have been a, a small, you know, some hope. So I hope they'll do. But they do foolish things. Um, you know, they blocked you on Twitter. Um, well, what me and you do is we promote these promotions because we love them. Uh, because we love deathmatch wrestling, uh, so we try to we try to put it on. You did it on your newsletter before. I did it on my page. Now we come together and we try to do it even more. So uh, DJ, you know, if you hear this, or if anybody, you know, whoever the fucker is that interviewed, talked to you, hear this. Uh, we we try to promote you. So when you block us, uh, you hurt yourself because we're just trying to promote and hype the things that we were, we're super fans, kind of like you were back in the day. DJ, uh, we're super fans. We 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 love deathmatch wrestling. So I don't understand why you want to block someone who wants to promote and hype. And obviously, Steven's reaching out to people and wants to talk to them and find out things so we can talk about them. So it's kind of a stupid move. Whoever did that. So that that's all I have to say about that. Cool. Okay. Um... I wanted to say one more thing. Well, I, I'm I'm sorry, it flew out flew out of my mind as I was looking at this thing. Uh, what was I gonna say? Watched the promo and you got all excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited when we're done. I'm gonna. Oh I'm yeah. Gonna... So I do want to say say one thing. Um, you know, it got me thinking. So here's like a little bit of like what I've heard. You know, what I mean, of the the insidey baseball of like what the goal was. So. When Sammy Callahan came in to, I'm using quote fingers, book the 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 company, Sammy Callahan came in. He brought his OI 4 4K guys who had just debuted in, in TNA, and this is when all the the bullshit about that they were removing the barbed wire from the logo, that they were going to film a television pilot, that they, they were going to hook up with Dave Marquez out of um, uh, Hollywood or Vegas or whatever, and they were going to try to film a television company. What was kind of explained to me is they just wanted to make it more accessible to people. They wanted to make it, I don't want to say family-friendly, but they wanted to make it more accessible to where you can get a television show. Now, even though they take the barbed wire out of the logo and they were just running less extreme death matches, you know, you were seeing more... You know, bringing back the carpet strips and the barbed the barbed wire board and not the plates of glass and all that type of stuff. When that was going on, they were still having promos of "Look, you cocksucker!" It's like, come on, man, you you gotta go full full nine. But the Sammy Callahan TV experiment that lasted like three three months, and they haven't recovered since. Fans just don't trust the product, and you know what? The logo's got the barbed wire. They're doing death matches. But people just don't know, is it going to stick around? And, you know, there was talk that they were going to do away with the Tournament of Death. Like, Sammy Callahan wanted to do away with the TOD and stuff. And um, they dropped the ball with the GCW invasion that was handed to them, which who knows what that 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 could have been, you know what I mean? But um, whole, whole year could have built up to this cage of death. They could have oh whole year. No kidding. We could have had RSP versus Nick Gage in the Cage of Death with a year build. They could have done that, you know? But I don't know. Um, it's a weird company to talk about because they're doing death matches. And it's not that people don't know it. It's that people just don't really care. People don't trust them. People, you, know, you know, people think, oh, you did, oh, I saw on video that you did a death match show last month. 
But if I come out, are you going to do it this month? Because, like, they haven't been advertising these matches as death matches. They had, you know, uh, Jimmy Lloyd and Mitch Vallon against uh, Connor Claxton and I think, who was it, Kid Osborne or something? Brandon Kirk. Brandon Kirk. And it was this crazy match with an exploding bat and panes of glass and light tubes and... You know, uh, the girls get the you know the girls get involved and they're bleeding. Yeah. It wasn't an advertised match, so how do people know that this stuff is even going to? If I put down my thirty bucks, do I know that this is what the show is going to be? You know, but meanwhile but you're, shame. yeah, go on. It was a good match. It's a shame too. That's all I was saying. All right, so uh, as promised, we're going to go and do some lucha news. So, uh, Mike, if you want to. You know, we talked a little bit about the uh, the injury to Cuervo. What else is going on? Yeah, there's it's actually not a whole lot, but what I will talk about is NGX has got a big card coming up uh, December 1st. Uh, Umberto, who, who messaged me a lot, good guy, they actually got a pretty stat card. Uh, Pagano, who really doesn't do a lot of indie death matches anymore because he's really a fixture in AAA, he'll be taking on the winner of their tournament of uh, death, well, not tournament of death, but their king of death matches here, uh, Saikito, in the main event, and then uh, in a semi-main event matchup, Marcus Crane, uh, going to be returning to Mexico, first time with uh, NGX, will be teaming up with Mortra Extrema, Against Violent Gentle Jack and Arrow Boy, which I can only imagine will be a crazy match. That's going to be a fans bring the weapons match. Uh, also on that card, uh, we have, uh, let me just pull it up here. The Hooligans will return to Mexico. This is, I think, their third or fourth tour for NGX. They'll be taking on Lord Byron. And Graham Bell. Lord Byron's a longtime fixture in NGX. He's won more of the King of Death match tournaments. I used to go as a hooligan, Brian. Uh, he's, he's a longer time death match wrestler. Probably not as well known as some of the other ones, but he's been doing it since the early 2000s uh, in NGX and LXAW. Also on that card, uh, Sick Boy, who recently was at the Zona, will be in a four-way with Optimus, Pedro Navas, and the Black Spider. There will be a few other uh, undercard matches, but that's their 16th anniversary. Um, NGX is, is the longest current-running deathmatch promotion in Mexico. Uh, XLAW did some hardcore stuff before them. I guess you could say they borderlined on some death stuff, too, because uh, they were the ones that were Zandig and the White Beater. So they did some death stuff with them, but they've been gone for a while, so NGX is the longest running. Um, they're, they're talking about, I, I talked to their owner recently, and I did an interview with him. They're really uh, talking about trying to get a streaming service going, because he has a lot of a back catalog. And if anyone's familiar with NGX, uh, Supreme, uh, Necro Butcher, uh, Masada, Madman Pondo, uh, Sage Sin, uh, a lot of the XPW guys, Angel, Chaos have been down there for different death matches. Damien 666, a big fixture of their promotion for a long time. He used to book it too. We've had, I think, five or six death match tournaments over the years. Uh, maybe more. I think at least six. I have to look up exactly. I know they, they went a few years without one, but. That would be a really cool catalog to see a, a lot of a because they bring in a lot of different American talent over the years uh, into NGX. So it'd kind of be a cool catalog to see if they can get up and going. I know Seco playing video, done a lot of stuff there, and uh, Violent Jack and Arrow Boy here. So it's kind of a, a mix of uh, you know DTU and some of the zoning guys, and some of the XLAW guys, and some of the XWW guys. So it's kind of like a, a maybe a pro wrestling gorilla of Mexico deathmatch wrestlers because they kind of have this floating roster, um, with the exception of, like, Lord Byron 
and uh, Pacitico, I would say that the majority of the other guys kind of flowed in and flowed out. Pagano did a lot of stuff there before, but obviously being he's a much bigger star in AAA, so this should be a good turnout. Um, being with Pagano on the card, and obviously they're bringing in Marcus Crane, and, and uh, Violento Jack doesn't do a lot of stuff in Mexico anymore, so it's kind of the biggest thing going on. Uh, I know when we talked about results last week, there wasn't a whole lot result-wise this week. Um, Zona doesn't have anything planned right now. Um, you know, there's some shuffling going on in the office. I'm hoping everything works out there. I'm not going to go into detail right now, but they're trying to work some things out. Uh, hopefully they'll be up and running in the new year. Uh, I know uh, Guan. Guantos, Guantos, not uh, actually. Guantanamo. Actually, apparently, I've been saying it wrong. It's Gua, Guanatos. Guanatos, oh, yeah. You're closer than me, yeah. but uh, <laughs> Guanatos. See, I'm wrong again. Guanatos uh, is supposed to be running some shows in January and February. They're talking about doing a deathmatch tournament and bringing over some American talent. Um, so that, that'll be cool if that rolls out. Um, I know their last show was up on Smart Mark Video. It wasn't a bad show. I seen parts of it. I, I didn't see the whole show. Um, but obviously the commission kind of had stepped in. So they're looking for some new uh, areas to promote in right now. And, you know, I kind of wonder too with the whole cinder block thing, how that'll impact deathmatch wrestling in Mexico. Obviously, it probably won't impact it much over here in the States, but they have a very strict commission, so I'm kind of wondering if that's going to kind of hinder some of the craziness because that made, you know, the national news in Mexico. And uh, it, it was it made the Internet all over here. I mean, Kurt Angle was talking about beating up Angel El Demon. I don't know if you saw that clip or not. But Kurt Angle said he like to have 10 minutes with the son of a bitch in the ring. So, yeah, you know, I Kurt did, yeah. Angle reading it and seeing it. I mean, that's, you know, it got over a lot of the news here, so. I just kind of wonder if that will impact the scene down there. Uh, you know, I have to wait and see if they'll become much more stricter. Or there's a lot of uh, territories down there, you know, states, I should say, not territories. Lots of Mexican states that don't allow the death stuff uh, or the hardcore stuff like light tubes and fire and things like that. So I guess we will have to wait and see. And besides that, I don't really have a whole lot of other Lucha news. There are a few results, but I know the only the only big results I know were from the the one Gen X card. Uh, La Parca and Masada had a another uh, hardcore death match. It was supposed to be L.A. Park and L.A. Park, not La Parca, L.A. Park, L.A. Park and El Hijo, del L.A. Park against Masada and Wotan. But I'm not sure what happened. But uh, Wotan and El Hijo did not appear, and uh, that was the uh, main event. I haven't seen clips of it yet, but I know if anybody's seen their first match, it was really good. Uh, they actually took light tube shots and gave some light tube shots, so if it was like their first match, it was a pretty cool match. That's yeah, kind of I all mean, I have. What's that? Cool. Oh, no, just, yeah, my friend, you know, he's down there, and he, you know, he goes to a couple shows each month, and, um, um, you know, they, it's pretty common that once, you know, once during the the show they bust out the glass or they bring out the barbed wire bats yeah. or whatever it's it's uh sure. it's very much part of the show down there well it's been that way for a long time in triple a i mean i would say since about 2005 and six i i think i remember the first time i think i remember seeing it triple a was when cibernetico uh he was with the lost hells brothers he was with charlie manson and uh chessman they were feuding more to us cibernetico who basically is ricky banderas and the dark sector Oz, Cuervo, and, and Navarros. And uh, I remember them bringing it out because uh, I used to watch it quite a bit because it was on television, a channel like uh, They brought out light tubes and they beat the hell out of uh, Cibernetico. And then after that, I mean, uh, 
when Peril, you know, Peril Goya Jr., you know, rest in peace, uh, when he ran Peril's Del Mel, they used light tubes a lot. Peril was in a matchup where he used light tubes against Blue Demon. A Rush had a cage match with Masada where they brought in Pains of Glass. And these are top stars. You know, Rush is a top CML star. Obviously, Peril Goya Jr. was a son of a legend and a huge star. So, yeah, it's not uncommon. I mean, super crazy. Uh, psychosis has done death matches with light tubes, super crazy heads. It's not an uncommon thing down there, like you said. It's kind of been around. You don't see it as much in CMLL as AAA, but they do some violent stuff in CMLL, too. But AAA is more prone, because Pagano and Joe Leader kind of been doing that for a while. Now they're, you know, Sequel Play and Medeo have been doing stuff there, so they kind of had those built-in hardcore guys over there that, uh, you know, been doing it for a long time. Joe Leader's another one who's been doing death matches in Mexico. So for, I remember when he first came to AAA, he was part of the uh, the Mexico Powers with uh, Crazy Boy and Extreme Tiger. And they, at the time, were wrestling in this promotion for uh, Mikey Segura. The promotion was basically an indie. It was out of, uh, I want to say... Guadalajara, but I could be wrong in the city, but they used to do a lot of death stuff, and I remember seeing pictures online and magazines they were jumping off of, uh, you know, the top of a building, and crazy shit. Never got a lot of press, but uh, and then obviously they were in DTU uh, when Drake Younger and Danny Havoc went down. I know, I know Danny was against uh, Violento Jack, and uh, Drake had a match, I believe, with Arrow Boy and somebody else. I thought the look, I probably partially wrong on the guy's names, but those were the guys in the show, and, you know, that was a long time ago when they toured Mexico the one time, and then obviously the first time was Zandig and uh, Whitebeer were at the XLAW show, and, and they broke out the light tubes and did some crazy stuff, and they teamed up in a match, too. And that's yeah. my history of Mexican hardcore. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. A brief, um, a brief history. Uh, real quick, not to jump too far back, but I just got a message on Facebook from a friend of mine. Um, I'll show him out, Joseph uh, Joseph C. I don't know if you want me saying your full name or not, but he just messaged me on Facebook, and he says, why isn't Jimmy Lloyd uh, taking MJF's place? He won the Tournament of, uh, of Death. He's the Deathmatch champion. Shouldn't he be in the Cage of Death? Uh, that's a, good, a very good point. That's all. So, okay. Well, I heard I heard a rumor, I can't substantiate it, but I heard a rumor that uh, RSP and uh, Vance Warner was the greatest dude ever. <laughs> I've heard that rumor a few times as well. I heard, but, I, but I don't want to go into that. I don't, I don't believe it, but just a rumor. Yeah. Um, well, okay, going on to Japan. Uh, I got a lot of Japanese news, actually, uh, just to go over really quickly. So uh, the first... the. The big news, Ciclopay and Miedo Extremo, they're going to be back for the Freedoms December 6th show. Now, I want to say one thing really quickly. When they uh, finished up that last tour, um, you know, I said a few times that I just didn't know if they were coming back because all of the press, you know, usually when they would finish up, the Japanese websites, they, they would be like, oh, and they'll be back in May. Or something, you know. What I mean, and this was the first time that it was like they there was no return date. Um, I think maybe they just had to renew their visa, and you never know how long that's going to take. And I don't want to. Maybe I'm wrong. Whatever. But uh, so they are going to be coming back. They're going to be on the uh, December sixth show. This is a show where they're going to run a, a one night tournament for freedoms to decide who's going to take on Takeda uh, at Bloody Christmas. But they are coming. They are definitely coming back. Um, I really hope that Sequel Pay gets um you know gets the push so to sure. to to speak um you know um so they'll they'll be back and they'll be in the company for a while um 
one other thing. So Onita, Onita is going to be starting. Well, not starting. He he's going to be assist. Okay, so there's a Japanese uh, women's wrestler in stardom. Her name is Tam Nakano. Now Tam Nakano, uh, she's. She started in stardom maybe a year, maybe 18 months ago, something like that, and she is uh, very much a personality. She's very much, she's not really a wrestler, and apparently she, she, she's actually contracted under a company called Wrestle One, but Wrestle One doesn't really have a women's division, so they rent her out to, to stardom, but she doesn't really wrestle. She's been doing matches, but, you know, imagine, Lan, you know, uh, what's her name, uh, uh, not Lana, how do they say it, Lana, Lana, right, how... Uh. She wrestles, but she's not the best ever, and she's more of a, a character, right? Well, um, right. Onita really likes her, basically. He thinks she's the future, basically, right? And Onita's always had a thing for, for you know, the women's wrestling. He made sure that FMW had a women's division while he was there and stuff. And um, right. so he's kind of taken her under his wing, so to speak. And uh, they're going to be kind of co uh, collaborating in promoting uh, a new company called Stardom Idols, which is going to be more singing and dancing and idol stuff, but it's also going to be a wrestling sling company. Um, Dave Meltzer reported that the, that this girl, Tam, that she's already, people are considering her an ego case, that she's kind of throwing her weight around backstage because she is kind of a big star because she has a lot of charisma behind her and stuff. And I'm just like, boy, these two are a match made in heaven. I can see Onita teaching her a lot about how to uh, use her power. You know what I mean? Um, but Onita, so they're going to have a show on December 2nd where they're going to have a four-on-five wild deathmatch brawl on the Stardom Idol sh uh, debut show at Shinkiba. So that's what Onita's going to be doing um, leading into you know the Cage of Death and everything. Like that. Are they going um, to be in relation to the regular Stardom company, or is that just a name they're using? No, no, no. It's going to be. Um, I don't know if they outright own it, but Stardom has a stake in it for sure. They okay. definitely have a stake. But Tam, so it's like they have Tam, and Tam, she can't really win a title in Stardom. Like she just can't really wrestle at that level. So they're starting right, a yeah. new company kind of for her. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So, yeah, Stardom's a very high, high level. So yeah. So I think it. So what I would assume is going to be their kind of a, like uh, their kind of training ground is what I would assume. Gotcha. Yeah, you know maybe run twice a month and stuff like you know n n nothing major. But it is funny that Onita's being brought in for the debut show for and they're going to have you know some wild barbed wire brawl. I'm sure they're going to blow up a bat outside the arena and stuff. We'll see. Um. The other, the only other big show, uh, I'm sure that you saw the photos on uh, November 27th. Big Japan, they ran Kuroken Hall, and they had a, ca a, a cage match main event with uh, Kobayashi teaming with Udo. They defeated Sakin and Ido. This was a rematch from a match back in October that Kasai interrupted. That's why it was inside the cage. Were you able to see clips or photos from this? I was able to see clips and photos. I saw a big old Kobayashi. Up on top of the cage where he probably shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, one second. So, yeah. Um, so, Kobayashi. So, it looked like a pretty good match, to be honest. I, I saw clips on Battleman, like, just before we started this. And, um, um, so, <laughs> Kobayashi climbs the, the cage. It's probably, I don't know, 12 feet, right? 
I would say so, yeah. Yeah, 12 feet above the ring apron. And, yep. um, man, Kobayashi, who's 44, who's pretty beat up, you know what I mean? And uh, he does yeah. a, an elbow drop. I wouldn't even call it an elbow drop. He kind of just falls backwards off the, the cage. And um, he separated his shoulder, though. So Kobayashi, he's got a shoulder injury, but he promises he's going to be back in a week or two maximum. So we'll see how it is. But I thought it, it looked like a pretty good match, and it really shows. So Yoshihisa uh, Uto, he is here to stay. He is officially part of the deathmatch division. He, like, his whole attitude on Twitter has completely changed. You know, his first couple death matches, he had that, oh, man, what have I gotten myself into kind of attitude. And now he's just like, you think that you can take me on? I'm going to fucking murder you. You know, he's really changing his whole attitude. So Udo is here to, to stay, which is, I think that's great because he's really fits into the division great, I think. Um, yeah, the card, uh, like you were about the card, is, it had three death matches. It really did look like a good card, like you said. And it had Sekimoto and Hoko Kobayashi against uh, Hama and Nakono. And it had uh, Suzuki against uh, Kikuda. So definitely, overall, it looked like a really balanced card. I know the Crazy Lovers uh, took on Takahashi and Sakura. Definitely looked like a very well-balanced card. Yeah, and so... Um... Tsukamoto, he's going to be the first guy to take on Takaya, or I'm sorry, to, to take on Takahashi. Uh, so he challenged him. So they're going to be doing all those tag matches leading up to it. They're going to have the the match on January 2nd. So I'm excited for that. Which um, I'll be there. Uh, nice. I'd be there. <laughs> Which, by the way, I've been saying I'd be there to my friends, and nobody gets it. Like, like people say, hey, Steve, are you going to be at the meeting Tuesday? I'd be there. Okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, so yeah, that's cool. So that's what's going on in Big Japan. They have a little bit of a direction with the booking. Um, and uh, what was the other thing I want to say? Takeda really seems to be taking a little bit of, of a break and enjoying himself. You know, he's not wrestling as much as he was the past year. He's taking, he, you know, he, he, he was wrestling 20 times a month, maybe more between all kinds of different companies. Now he's wrestling the Freedom Shows, the BJW Shows, and that's really about it. And, um, you know, he's been doing a lot of, like, uh, local appearances at the businesses in his smaller town and stuff. So it's good. Like, he, you can tell he's just kind of breathing a little bit now, now that the pressure's off, I guess. Um, I I think he had the best year of any deathmatch wrestler maybe ever. Yeah. Uh, Match-wise. I mean, he he had at least, in my opinion, three five-star matches. I mean, it was just a... and, and wars with everybody. I mean, it's just insane. You know, he took on, he, he pretty much cleaned out Japan. Yeah. And, you know, and then he came over here and, you know, had a curly smash with Alex Cologne and uh, the four way with Gage and Marcus Crane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, actually, I mean, as you said that, the only guy I can think of would be Onita, maybe in like 1993 and four, maybe, you know? Maybe, maybe. But you're exactly right. But different style of death matches too. Different style, yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, if you if you go from Terry Funk to the Tenryu uh-huh. match, like that one solid year, that would be the Absolutely. only thing to compare it to. But like you said, it's different eras, different styles. You can't really compare it. But yeah. So um, uh, let me see what else I got. Um, I saw one thing. Uh, Big Japan is selling. Uh, so in in. 
in the Japanese wrestling bubble, um, merchandise is a really, really big deal. And they're always trying to think, like, if you go to the BJW shows, they sell hard-boiled eggs with, like, Sekimoto's face on them. And they sell these hydrating facial masks that make you look like Abdullah Kobayashi with the bloody forehead and stuff. I mean, they think of all kinds of weird, you know, Freedom sells blood, uh, blood red bath salts. Like, it's all kinds of really weird stuff. Big Japan is now selling light tube shards, used light tube shards that have blood on them, and they put them in a bottle, and they put them on a necklace, and they're now selling these. I think that's kind of strange, uh, but maybe... <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Do you think that's too far? A little bit, maybe. But I know Japan is a very shock culture. I mean, they like the weird things. I know there are different diners and restaurants. They're all pretty crazy. So maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, bigger over there than it would be here. I don't know. I mean, maybe people would buy it here. What I get from people is... Um, how do I put this? The fans just want to give, like, okay, so one of my good friends, she's this girl, and she is a Takeda super fan, like, insane, right? And um, we both joke that we've, that, you know, after I've been in Japan for, you know, five days or so, I've already bought all of Takeda's merchandise. Like, I've bought his shirts, I bought his bracelets, and I, and I literally just buy it because I just want to give him money, honestly. And, um, and we were at the final show, and I told the girl, I'm like, I have no excuse to go talk to him. I bought all of the the stuff, and she held up her arm. She had seven of the same bracelets. She just kept buying the same bracelet over and over and over again. So I think it's literally just people want to give these guys money because they know that what they – you know, the, the Japanese mindset, they – I don't want to open up a huge talk about it, but just – in Japan, the inequality level is very, very low. Japan has one of the lowest rates of, like, super rich people because the inequality is so low, the taxes are very high, and they feel very unified as one people, and they just, that's how they are. So they see, like, their idol, and they just want to keep their idol going. They want to help, you know, help pay his bills and help do this and do that. So I think that it's just that that idea of, these are my idols, and they are my life, and they just want to be there for them in that way. So, anyway. Um, couple little quick notes before we get into our review of the show at the end of uh, the show. Um, oh, go on. Question. Do you yeah. have an owl yet? I'm sorry? Do you have an owl yet? Because you're a huge Takeda fan. Do you have your Takeda owl yet? Not yet, but I am going to go to the Owl Cafe this time when I go there. Cause, so. Fun. Yeah, so Takeda, he does these guest, uh, they call it one-day manager spots, where he just goes, and I've actually gone with him to a few bars when he does this. They have an owl an owl cafe in the city that he stays in, and Takeda loves owls, and he wants to buy his own owl. Um, if he sold some type of owl necklace or bracelet, I would buy it, absolutely. <laughs> so, Awesome. Um, so I want to go over two quick notes, and then you can go over upcoming shows. Um, so Gorky City Wrestling, uh, they're the the Russian company that had that big fucking crazy fire match where the whole crowd almost died. Uh, they uploaded most of that tournament on YouTube. Actually, I think it's the whole thing. So um, if anybody wants to go and check that out, you can just search Gorky City Wrestling, and you'll find the YouTube channel. They've uploaded it match by match, which makes it really easy to watch. So if anybody wants to watch that on YouTube, you can go ahead and watch that. Uh 
I don't know if you, you watched any of that. That's cult too. Alex okay. actually put it on the cult before he even put it on YouTube. So if you want to, uh, you can check it out, like Stephen said, on YouTube, or you can check it out on the Deathmatch Cult. We have a very, very good relationship with Alex, so he sends us, he just sent us some hardcore stuff he did in some other promotions, too. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. No, that's okay. Don't worry. Um, I didn't get my plug. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, speaking of which, uh, the Carnage Cup. What do you know about the Carnage Cup? What do I know about the Carnage Cup? Well, I know a lot of things about it. What I know and what I can say are two different things but i'll say this is what i'll say uh you want to have it over three days which sounds exhausting um he wants to have two tournaments he wants to have a carnage cup tournament with 18 guys and then a soft core tournament with like some of the soft core wrestlers for a soft core promotion uh they lost the one spot so there'll be no tacos this year but they got another spot i think more near town uh but it's still essentially like a backfield uh, near this, this town in Tennessee. Um, he's, he really wants to bring in international talent. I know he, he's still trying to bring over Alex uh, from Gorky City. You know, messages with him. The only problem they're having is there's a lot of visa issues right now with Russia and obviously the United States being some political problems. It's very hard to get a guaranteed visa right now in Russia. Um, essentially, they could take your money and turn you down and you don't get it back. So they're trying to work around that. I know I, I did some research and I suggested a few things to them, so maybe they'll go about that. He's also explored, uh, obviously, he thought about Japan. I know, I don't know if you know, uh, well, I don't think I think about a uh, prominent guy in the deathmatch scene, a collector, uh, is friends with Kevin, and he's on tour right now in Japan, actually doing a bunch of shows and check staying with Tony Myers. Uh, he's trying to work out bringing over a Japanese guy, too. I don't know if that'll work. And he's, you know, he's looked at maybe bringing in some Zona guys and, and bringing in a lot of Southern talent too because a lot of the guys is probably going to be their, their last year of the tournament. I know I think Spider Goudreau and John Rare are retiring, which I'm awful glad about. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of either of them. I'm sorry to say that, but it's just not my style. Uh, some people love their death matches, and that's what makes us all great is we like different things. And I'm not going to shit on them, but it's just not my particular style. It's more of that older hack and slash kind of style. Um, and like I said, there's a market for it. Just not my cup of tea. I'm more into the hybrid style. So uh, I know that it's probably going to be in September. So there's still time. Uh, he did an advertisement. Tickets are going to be available pretty soon. Uh, it'll be like a VIP ticket. He's wanting to do like some sort of uh, like rock concert with it too. I don't know how that'll come about, but that's kind of the, the stages. But obviously, it's a long time before now in September. So, what he has planned and what will come, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. That's kind of what uh, Mr. Brennan has planned for his Carnage Cup. He said he wants to make it the craziest Carnage Cup there ever has been, which is scary. Uh, we don't want anyone to die. It's deathmatch wrestling, not deathmatch dying. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see what becomes of it. Uh, I hopefully there's no rattlesnakes. I know in the past that uh, some gentlemen have actually tried to uh, book book some rattlesnakes. So uh, <laughs> we'll have to uh, wait and see. Yeah, I always compare deathmatch wrestling, like if anybody ever wants to kind of shit on it and stuff, I say, you know, it's no different from a circus. When you, you go to a circus, there's the glass eater and the guy taking cannonballs to his stomach and that type of stuff. It's the same type, you know, it's a big tent, right? And um, 
Man, that Carnage Cup, it, it's one of, it's, it's, um, what do you want to call it? It's a double-edged sword, I guess. Like, we all watch it. Let's quit lying. We all watch yeah. it. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I'll be honest, which I like some of the early ones. Uh, the year Necro Butcher won, I thought that was a really good tournament. I Is that the one with the four-way at the end with, like, Necro, yeah, Drake? Necro, Drake, yeah. Corp, and Insane. I, I thought that was a, and then the year Thumbtack Jack and Sexy Eddie went to the finals. I thought that was a good tournament, too. You know, there's bits and pieces of shows, you know, I've liked. Um, I'm just not a big spider Boudreaux and John Rare fan. I know that's their big moneymaker, and I can appreciate that. And I've, I've talked to John before, and I, I have nothing ill against any of them guys. That's just not my cup of tea, um, per se, or, or my style. I mean, I, Bryant Woods, I've interviewed a bunch of times. I think Bryant's an okay guy. they got some younger talent I wouldn't mind seeing, like David Skitz, uh, Eddie Only, Blaine Evans. I, I just that older guard is kind of... Uh, I know Freak Show, I don't know if you've seen Freak Show in years, but he's transitioned himself quite a bit. He's gotten into very good shape. He's lost over 120 pounds. Uh, Gun's really, really good, better, much better shape than he was then. Uh, Insane Lane, I mean, he starts and quits every week, so it's hard to follow him. Uh, he's going to wrestle a show, and he's on Facebook selling everything he has, and he's going to wrestle a show, and he's... But uh, I, I've never been a Monsters fan of his, too. Um, North Carolina's got some talented guys. I like Colt 45. Uh, uh, I like Raven Havoc. I think there's some guys that would be cool to see out more. Uh, Suicide Test Dummies had some crazy stuff I've seen. But, uh, you know, there is guys down in that area that can work. I just wish that it, I wish there was someone else for them to work. Because, obviously, in Tennessee, it's hard. You, you can sell up 3,000 seats with Jerry Lawler versus Bill Dundee still. But you can put on anything else, and not, Ring of Honor can go and not sell 800 pieces. They're, they're, they're so in that Memphis kind of thing. You know, and I've had promoters, and I've had re old, even old-school wrestlers, Tracy's mother explained that to me. They're, that's still what they want in Tennessee. Uh, Lawler works every weekend. You know, he, he's Tennessee to Jonesboro to Nashville, uh, you know, because they still like that Memphis style of wrestling. You can go see Doug Gilbert or Tommy Rich or these guys' headlines. You know, and these are high school cards or different things. But they'll have 2,000 bands to see that. But a deathmatch show might draw 13 people. So it's a very hard market to run deathmatches in, too, down there uh, in, in the southern part of America. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, as you said, it's hard to draw anything down there. Um... Unless you got Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. Yeah. <laughs> two, I'm telling you, you can draw 2,000 people uh, in their 70s. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, last thing to go over, if you want to go over, what are the upcoming shows in the next week or so that people can uh, can check out? Well, uh, we've got – let me just pull up the dates real quick. We've got Bloody Burgers coming up very, very soon for H2O. I just got to pull it up on my screen. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about Bloody Burgers while I'm pulling it up. Uh, obviously, uh, Cheeseburger from Ring of Honor is going to be making his debut there. He's going to be taking on uh, Matt Fremont. Uh, obviously, they want to kind of build up to the Cody Rhodes thing, so that's something that uh, they originally went I know Cody's injured right now, so hopefully that will still happen next year. I know that was uh, big on... Uh, one of, uh, you know, something Matt wanted to do. Uh, November 30th, uh, this weekend, Buddy Burgers. Uh, main event is going to be Gory 
and G Raver, former tag team partners, uh, wrestling in a no rules match. Obviously, they built this up. The last show, uh, Gory came out and attacked G Raver and the tag team match. Uh, Mitch Fallon is going to be continuing his deathmatch trial series. Obviously, an ode to uh, a Big Japan or Freedoms where they do the trial series, just like the regular Japanese promotions used to do those series uh, with everyone else, too. Uh, so he's going to be taking on Jeff Cannonball in a cinder block and carpet strip match, I believe. I know it's cinder box. Also on this card, uh, Maria Manic will be taking on uh, Jimmy Lyon in a good housekeeping match where Kit Osborne is tied to Slack at ringside. The Death Best Trial Series, excuse me, will be carpet strips and cinder box. Uh, Six-man ultimate Jeopardy match, Alice Cologne, Drew Blood, and Devin Moore will take on Ron Mathis, McHale, and Kyle Maddox. I know, I know if Cologne wins... He gets to pick any match he wants, and I forget the whole setup of Drew Blood wins, uh, two of the guys can't come back, and if Mathis wins, a clone can't have a title match for a year. I know it's one of those old-school kind of swerve ultimate Jeopardy kind of uh, kind of deals. Uh, there's an opportunity Knox match where they bring in the younger talent, Miles Millennium, will be taking on Tim Tyler. There's a four-way match for the hybrid championship. Uh, Dan O'Hare takes on Connor Claxton, uh, Stockade, and Tara Calloway. Also scheduled to appear uh, will be the tag team champions extricated. Uh, Chuck Payne, who's been doing some stuff there recently. He's kind of this bigger, like, freaky looking, looks like he's out of a Mad Max movie kind of gimmick. He's been feuding with Jimmy Lyon. And then uh, one of their young lions, uh, Jimmy J- Johnny Jagger. Then on December 22nd, I'm just a little ways away, but they had their, their Merry and Christmas show. Uh, uh, which they generally do every year. Um, there's not a lot of news on that card. I know that Lucky 13 uh, will be reappearing there. He will be taking on Jimmy Lloyd uh, for the first time ever. They'll also have their very first cage match uh, in H2O history. So that's going to be something that's going to be uh, going to be big, too. Obviously, uh, in GCW, we've got the December show, the Destiny show coming up. So far, they have announced uh, Masato Tanaka and uh, PCO, and, and which is going to be in a very exciting match, I think. Uh, obviously, a lot of people compare that to Mike Awesome and uh, Tanaka. Um, I think it would be a little different, but I think it will definitely be a really cool match um, in order to see these guys in there. That's going to be on December 29th. I'm looking real quick. I don't think they've announced too awful much more. I think there was something today. Jungle Boy will be appearing. I think that was the only uh, the only other thing I've seen on there. Jungle Boy, who wrestled on their uh, recent show in L.A. Um, actually, it was a pretty good match. Uh, Jungle Boy and Tony Deppen, they had a pretty good match. It was, you know, kind of a flippy thing, but it was a, it was a pretty good matchup. IWA Mid-South doesn't really have much going on. They haven't really done anything deathmatch in a while. I know they got a winter tryout show, and I don't know if they've announced anything else, but their cards have been kind of flat lately. I mean, if, if you like deathmatches, it's really... They haven't been doing much of deathmatches recently, so I don't know if it's the, the song on the way out the door, or if they're... Oh, they just did announce something new. So Mary... So Do You Believe is on 1129... That's going to have uh, Blue Pants and Simon Dean on it. I know that's got me excited. I don't know about you. Um, I'd much rather see Simon Dean and Blue Pants in a death match. Um, a 30-minute Ironman match, Logan James, the current junior and world champion, take on Aaron Williams. Simon Dean uh, will take on Blue Pants, Leva Bates, 
doesn't interest me. An old-school IWA rules match. Uh, the end of the world, Jake Ullman, will take on legendary Larry D. And, uh, yes, you're reading this right. I'm reading this off here. Get a little excitement into it. I'm not excited. Amazing Maria will defend the women's title against a man, Lucas Jacobs. That sounds like your typical kind of IWA thing coming up there. They have a tryout show after that. They just announced Big Ass Christmas Bash for Saturday the 22nd. Let me see if there's anything interesting on the Big Ass Christmas Bash as I'm looking at this. Uh, just scheduled to appear. The Southern Psychopath, Mance Warner, Amazing Maria, uh, Frank Wyatt from the Viking War Party, uh, Eric Ryan, or Wayne, excuse me, making his return, Brandon Taggart, the Players Club, uh, All Balls, Kevin Giza, fantastic. It doesn't, no matches are announced there, so it doesn't really look like, I don't know if IWA is, uh, I don't know, they're sure scrambling to stay alive, but it sounds like they're, uh, you're kind of uh, not really doing too much. We have Cage of Death coming up soon. Okay, so obviously we have Cage of Death coming up uh, briefly uh, December 9th. That's not too far away. Yeah, I talked about Anita, uh, the eight-man tag I just talked about. Uh, Ricky Shane Page will be taking on Mance Warner for the vacant CZW uh, world title in the Cage of Death as MJF was hurt. Uh, Jordan Oliver, the wider TV champion, will be taking on Casey Navarro. Uh, Rich Swan. We'll be taking on Shane Strickland and John Silver in a three-way match, which just added. Uh, David Starr will be wrestling Anthony Green, who will have the Platinum Honeys with him. Uh, let's see. Man's, the Blackout will be taking on the Rat with Maven Bentley in a tables match for the CZW Tag Team titles. Alex Reynolds will be taking on Joe Gacy. And a one-on-one match. And then we talked about the tag team match here. I'm looking. I still don't see this this chick's name. It just says the office. Maybe she doesn't have a name. So, yeah, that's what's going on in CZW. Uh, well, hey, a little bit about that. Um, I would guess that Alex Rounds is going to win because Gabe Sapolsky just tweeted out that Joe Gacy is going to be a regular with Evolve starting in December. And he's apparently also at the NXT tapings at the moment. So, Joe Gacy... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I just got that from Bucky. I got that a few minutes ago. Yes, Mr. Gacy, he's working as an extra in NXT, so it looks like his CZW run may be over. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing against Joe Gacy. Nothing against him. But I want to say, last year's Cage of Death, when they did that spot where all of Joe Gacy's minions came out, that was bad. Anyway, go on. Hmm. <laughs> so that's the card coming up. If you really want to get hyped up for the show, um, go to CZW on YouTube. There's quite a fascinating 12-minute promo between DJ Hyde and Matt Trima. I don't really want to say anything about it. Um, check it out. Well, we it's already talked diff- about it. <laughs> very different. <laughs> it's yeah. uh Oh, we did. Yeah, I finally watched it. it for Okay, so for those who don't know, we took a 12-hour break, and in that break, Mike watched the promo. So, Mike, what did you think of this thing? You're telling them what's going on, how we make the donuts. <laughs> um, it, it was interesting. Uh, it was 12 minutes. Uh, the backdrop was some scotch toilet paper. 
I just got that from the whole 12 minutes of video that there's Scotch toilet paper. So in the H2O school, if you wipe your ass, we use Scotch. Um, that was a beautiful backdrop for a promo. Uh, DJ came in and pretty much called Mad a quitter and this and that. And they kept referring to CZW as her, which I found to be a bit bizarre. Um, CZW over the years has really done some cool promos. Um, I really love the uh, Matt Tremont Onita promo with the prayer in the background playing. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I remember when they did the one for Cage of Death 3 uh, with Lobo and Zanding. The promo was great. This wasn't one of those. It was long. It was weird. I've never heard anyone call CZW her before. Um, at least seven times in the interview, someone referred to CZW as her. Very weird. Very bizarre promo in the office, too. Kind of strange. Uh, coffee machine, Scott's toilet paper. Uh, just, just bizarre. DJ went on to, you know, you bring Onita and I'll bring my ultraviolet beast. And it's very weird, like I said, just in a booking because normally with Cage of Death, I know we talked about this, you get the whole year. Uh, we throw Onita and Masada and Tremont all in with DJ Hyde in, le in less than, what did you say, two weeks? Yeah. Probably, right? Yeah, pretty less much, yeah. Weeks. And it shows, like, pretty much the weekend after next. So, no build-up. It's, it's very weird. I know MJF, they kind of built a thing for a while, but he got hurt, so whatever. But it's just kind of a weird thing with Onita coming in, and it's just... Right now on Twitter, uh, Joe K, who Joe K, he works for CZW doing some kind of, like, Twitter stuff, and um, he's been posting GIFs of, like, that... Uh, I don't know if it was a six or an eight man. I haven't seen it in so long. But the big tag match where, you know, Necro beat the shit out of uh, Justice Payne. But he's been showing gifts yeah. from, yeah, he you know, it was to it was Toby Klein, Necro. Joker. Joker. There was Zandig and Hate Z Club. Zandig, Gage, and Payne, yeah. And um, I'm watching it, and, you know, obviously, man, they're falling through glass, they're lighting tables on fire, yeah. there's panes of glass all over, the whole, you know, they're all bleeding, they're punching the shit out of each other, people are falling off the cage, and I'm like, bro, why are you even posting this? You're just gonna, like, if one person watches these and goes, that's the cage of death, I gotta go to this, and they, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that match was one of my favorite cases of death. That actually was a death match cult match of the day yesterday. So you can check it out on the cult in its entirety. But, uh, yeah, that, you know, you go to that one or you go to, you know, some of the crazy ones with Lobo and Zandig going off the top fucking, or the suspended one where there was two cages. And, yeah, there's a lot of... A lot of big, uh, big legwork to uh, to do. You know, Sammy Culhane and Danny Havoc with the glass cage, glass all over, panes of glass surrounding it. Yeah, there's there's some big shoes to fill. Like you said, I don't know if I'd be pumping that video. I might rather pump out like a 10 minute video of the Shook Club or something, so people don't get their expectations up too much. Because that's uh, that's one of the you know one of my favorite cages of death. I mean, he pushed Joker through the fucking flaming glass table at the end. Uh, Necro. Tries to kill Justice Payne, legitimately. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, so okay. Uh, so that's what's going on at the moment, I guess. Um, so uh, the final thing that we got to go over. Uh, do you want? Is there anything else that you want to go over before we go on to our review here? No, sir. Okay. So okay. So uh, as every you know, as people know, um, 
One second, let me bring it up. So we have a Patreon that you can go to, patreon.com slash deathmatchnews. And we say this just because, the way I always put it, I don't, I don't want to... I, whatever, I'm not even going to talk about it. But if you feel like we're giving you guys some value, you know, feel free to chuck us a buck or two. And we have a thing on there where if you donate $5, you can choose us to review a classic show from the archives. So uh, JL the Jobber, who this guy, he's been a longtime supporter on Twitter, on Facebook, all of that. He, uh, he said, hey, man, I really want you guys to talk about the Freedoms Pain Limits 2010 Deathmatch Tournament. So, um, so I was like, okay, great. So we both watched it, so we're going to review that now. Um, real quick, you can buy this show. You can buy the Samurai TV edit from uh, Bahu at uh, bahufmw.com, or you can buy an American edit uh, through Smartmark Video. So that, those are the two ways that you can see this uh, thing. So, um, and it doesn't have English commentary. It's just edited differently. But anyway, so... Um, what this was, was this was so, um, during the Kawasaki Dreamin' podcast, you and Brett talked about the history of freedoms. If you want to kind of summarize that for, for, uh, for people. Uh, sure. Um, initially, uh, freedoms was started out after uh, Apache Pro kind of went under. And originally, you know, they named it freedoms because they wanted it to be a, a company that was free to do whatever they wanted, different things. They weren't really deathmatch happy in the beginning. Um, 2010, you know, obviously an early tournament. What I would say from this tournament is, is weapons-wise, I would think minimal. Doesn't mean it was a bad show, and I'll talk more about that as we review it, but very minimal weapons. Um, and that is Freedoms a lot. Freedoms is is minimal. You're not going to have the 500 light tubes and barbed wire tables all around the ring. You might have a couple panes of glass and some Kensins and stuff. Doesn't mean you can't get a good death match because you have quality wrestlers there. But, you know, it's very minimal, even compared to Big Japan. Big Japan has, you know, in the past has done 444 light tubes and 445 light tubes and, you know, the light tube structures and the giant scaffolds and 300 light tube matches. Freedoms doesn't really do that. They're more of a minimalist uh, approach to the death matches. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, Sasaki, you know, promotes them. Uh, Kasai came over, uh, obviously, you know, originally he did Big Japan and then eventually he's He's exclusive there. Uh, Masoka is one of their guys. He was the guy who did some preliminary stuff in Big Japan early on and some different promotions in Japan. But, he, you know, he got kind of be a deathmatch star over there, and they bring in a lot of different talent like Violet. Anto Jack. Uh, Masada has been there on and off for years. We'll actually talk about Masada in this tournament. And, you know, and you had a lot of, uh, you know, Jintaro and some of the characters that, uh, that were in Freedoms. But that's kind of how Freedoms had, uh, you know, formed originally. And a lot of people today, I would say Freedoms is, is just as popular, if not more popular in a way, than Big Japan. Um, with a lot of fans in the United States, obviously a lot of people are big Kasai marks, and then you have, you know, and they have a lot of inner working folks like Takeda, uh, you know, Yuko Miyamoto, Kadoka does some stuff in both, so there's guys that wrestle in both. Early on, uh, you know, Kobayashi and more of the big Japan guys did stuff over there too, but really now you don't see contracted big Japan wrestlers, uh, with the exception of Jackie Namazawa, he, he did a show there this year earlier where he, uh, you know, and that was really as a favor because that was on Kenji right. Fukumoto's 20th anniversary show. So that was right. more of a favor to him, really. Right, but that was the first time a big Japan contracted person had done stuff for them in a while. Correct? Yeah, 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 pretty much. So, yeah, I mean, when they started out, the whole the whole reason behind naming the company Freedoms was the idea was 
the wrestlers have the freedom to do what they want, you know. Um, as you and Brett said, uh, you know, it became a deathmatch company just because Kasai ran once a year a deathmatch show using the Freedom's name, and those were the best-selling shows. And they were like, look, we got to go with it if we're going to make money. This is it. So that's how they became a deathmatch company. And then when they became a deathmatch company, they were like, we don't want to be Big Japan Light. It makes perfect sense. But I will say there was uh, one night, it was after... I think it was last year. It was after Bloody Christmas last year because Takeda was the big Japan t uh, uh, champion. And I was with my... Uh, so when the shows let out, they let out around 9.30 usually. And we'll all go to these bars right near the Tokyo Dome area. And it was just so funny. You know, um, a lot of times people will call the Deathmatch fans, uh, what do they call them, you know, mutants and stuff. Well, there are mutants in the Japanese scene too, right? Just kind of you know, metalhead, horror movie watching, motherfuckers and stuff, you know, there are these people there, and I remember we were outside, and we're like, man, you know, and I'm I'm talking to them in my little broken English, I'm like, BJW, very, very good, but Freedoms is my, 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 my heart, and one of my good friends, he held up his middle fingers, and he goes, fuck BJW, and it was so funny, like, the Freedoms fans, my one friend, when he went to the Bloody Christmas show with me, um, he doesn't really know Deathmatch, you know, he doesn't know Deathmatch Wrestling at all, but he watches New Japan and whatever, and when he went to the Freedom show with me, he goes, this doesn't seem like a wrestling crowd at all, because it's a bunch of people in, like, leather jackets and punk gear and tattoos, like, it really, Freedoms really has its own fan base, uh, definitely. Um, well, anyway. <laughs> like ECW, GCW, and over here, you have your, your diehard people the, that... Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's the comparison, you know. Um, so, um, so okay. So the this tournament, it was uh, this was the second pain limit tournament. Um, one thing I know, I, I I give so much backstory that's probably not needed, but I always get asked why doesn't Freedoms ever do a deathmatch tournament? It's because the um, you know in America you can you can go to a hall and rent it for the whole night. Well, in Japan, most of these buildings are used for multiple uh, events a day. And even if they aren't used for multiple events per day, they need to be set up. So so when you book the building, you get a, a window. You get like a four to five hour window. And that's, you show up, you set up the the, the ring and the, the, you know, the other stuff. You have the show and then you've got to tear it, tear it down and get out of there. So it's not enough time to hold a one night tournament. So what they did here was they had the tournament on August 25th and 26th. Uh, this was in 2010, and this was the second one. Uh, we watched the Samurai TV edit, so some of the matches were cut down. You know, They had like minutes shaved off here and there. Um, and we're, we're only going to go over the actual tournament matches. So, um, um, okay, so I'll just begin. Uh, we open up with uh, clips from the, the previous year's tournament. They had like a match between Kamui and Ma Masada where they brought in a car and they were taking crazy bumps on the the car and I was watching this at work. I just started a new job a month ago and people are kind of realizing that this is what I do with my life is watch this shit and my coworker I was like, "Hey, do you want to watch the you know, do you want to watch it?" He goes, "Yeah, okay." So I'm gonna, so I'm going to be given a third point of view as he watched this with me. Um but uh really quickly. So the first tournament match that we're going to go over it was a barbed wire board street fight. Uh, they had some barbed wire boards, and that was basically it. But it was between Gentaro sporting his big, beautiful hair that he used to have, uh, taking on Kamui. Now, these are non-deathmatch guys generally. You know, Kamui's done stuff here and there. Gentaro had 
one big main event deathmatch against Takeda in, I think, 2012 or 2013. But generally speaking, he doesn't really do... You know, he's had, like, some matches with some a barbed wire spool weapon or this or that, but he's not a deathmatch guy. Um, I thought they had actually probably, if I was going to be honest, my second favorite match of the entire tournament was this match here. Um... It was a wrestling match. They had, you know, it was a really great match. They brawled out in the the crowd, and you don't think of a barbed wire board match as a really violent match, but they were taking, you know, they but they were hitting the board full full blast. They uh they you know, Gintaro had cuts all over his arms and back, and it was actually a pretty violent match. I you know I thought, um, Gintaro won with a submission move. This was actually one of my favorite matches on the whole card, uh, and it was funny. My friend watching, I'm watching it, watching, oh, this is a simple barbed wire match, right? And my friend is going, is that barbed wire? What the fuck? (laughs) I can't believe this, you know? So, um, but yeah, I thought this was my second favorite match of the whole tournament. Did you tell him in Tennessee they use rattlesnakes and shotguns? (laughs) I didn't didn't get that far yet, but one day... Here's what, here's what I thought of that match. Um, I agree with you. It was a very good match. Gentaro came out looking like Ricky Chosahu, circa 1987. I kind of had that feeling. The hair and the, um, they stood out doing some. You know, he did some nice axe bombers. Uh, he he had a nice sunset flip onto Kwame onto the barbed wire board. Um, Kwame set Gentaro up between the board and did another back flip off the top ropes. I thought that was pretty good. He hit it on pretty hard. Uh, Gentaro reversed. Did like a backdrop driver on the one board, and then a frog splash uh, with Kwame between the two boards. They're definitely a very hard hitting. The beginning was like a very strong style type match. Um, Jintaro gets it. He hit a nice axe bomb coming out. Um, he hit a really nice uh, front uh, notes here. Uh, front back, front exploding like suplex onto Kwame onto the barbed wire board right before the submission final. So he definitely looked very strong in the match. Um, you know, obviously like he looked like a strong style wrestler uh, doing a, a death match, which essentially you know he is. I, I thought he looked good. I thought Kwame looked good in the loss. So I agree with you. It was a fun match, and and it it's hard with such a small gimmick. You know, sometimes to pull it off, but they did pull off a, a very good match. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Next up, we had a, a, a Steel of Pain deathmatch, and uh, it was Masada versus Takashi Sasaki. They had, like, garbage cans and um, uh, a bunch of metal weapons, basically. Um, this, eh, it was whatever, you know. They were hitting hitting each other with the, the cans, taking bumps on the cans. It, it, it wasn't like a comedy match by any means. It was still a very forceful physical match, but um, I was kind of disappointed in, in this, to be honest, and, and it's just because these early tournaments, you know, they don't, the the Japanese mentality is not to have 18 light tube matches on one card, they want to mix it up and stuff, but it was just kind of one of those clunky hardcore matches, if you, you know, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't the best gimmick to use, I'd almost rather see these two brawl in the crowd. Uh, or do something like that. Uh, Masada had a, had a nice sidewalk slam on the garbage cans at one point. There was one spot that I thought was pretty cool where he hit that running razor's edge um, into the corner, and then he picked him up for a brain buster. And then he you know, kind of hit a nasty DVR onto Sasaki for the win, but it really was a hard gimmick. Um, it's some garbage cans. 
you can only do so much. Uh, I've never really been a big fan of garbage cans. They're kind of like an ECW thing where, you know, Balls Mahoney, Axel Rotten. I know Sexy Eddie used to do, like, the garbage can salt. But I definitely enjoyed the first match much more than that match. And, you know, that's kind of surprising because you have, you know, Suzaki, former BJW uh, deathmatch champion, Masada, American legend, uh, TOD winner, uh, king of that. So it just shows you that sometimes you get a better best match where you're out of someone you're surprised. Like I said, the other two guys worked their gimmick better. But I do think that was the worst gimmick of the tournament. Definitely. The garbage can gimmick. So that that was kind of my take on the match. Um, next up we have uh, Saburo Inamatsu. Um, if you want to just let, pe- let people know, I forgot about this guy. Um, he was in the tournament last year, and he um, so he was a K-Dojo guy, guy, but I'll let you go over, like, what was his career in the deathmatch wrestling? He kind of came on the Big Japan in the mid-2000s. Uh, he was mostly a K-Dojo wrestler. Um, he did some stuff with Etsy Pro, um, some hardcore stuff back in the day, and then he would mostly do the tag team matches in Big Japan. Um, he did have one match against Ido for the Big Japan title uh, later on. He kind of would pop in and out. I know the last time he was in Big Japan was 2017 uh, in a six-man tag team match. Uh, he teamed up. Was Hosina and Sakin against uh, Miyamoto, Kadaka, and uh, Ido. Um, besides that, he mostly does K Dojo. In 2016, he was in the uh, Sekahua Tag League. Uh, he teamed up with uh, Sakin. They didn't do so good. I think they had one win throughout the tournament. Uh, they beat the uh, Brahmin Kai and, and Brahmin Show. Uh, really, besides that, like I said, he really hasn't done a lot, lot there. He was a WEW. Hardcore tag team champion at one point, but that was long after the WW was in FMW or really met anything. Like I said, they bring him in for spot shows. Um, he wasn't a bad wrestler, you know, he, he'd work hard. Um, like I said, he had that one uh, in 2016. Uh, he had a, actually his 12th anniversary, they had a uh, death match with Edo with a lot of light tubes and some crazy stuff. So, like I said, uh, you know, he popped in for mostly tag matches. Um, really, a, not a a huge star by any means. It was kind of like a, I guess he was a later day, like Gosaku. Gosaku was a guy who used to pop into Big Japan, and, you know, he was an FMW jobber, and he'd pop into, like, Pachi Pro. That's kind of how I'd compare him to. So, um, yeah, so, oh. yeah, 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 sorry. So he, uh, so he, he took on Winger. Uh, now, Winger won the, the tournament the previous year. Uh, we all know Winger. He 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 dates back to Wing. He had some matches in IWA. Went on to be in Big Japan for quite a while. Um, but anyway, they had a scramble a scramble bunkhouse uh, scramble bunkhouse death match. Basically, what what you would expect. They brawled all over the uh, the building. One thing that was really interesting to me. They were in the Shinkiba building, and uh, I've been to Shinkiba probably like twenty or thirty times. And man, has that place changed? Like the. The stage where the wrestlers come out at, they used to have bleachers there, and now that's all flat seating. I, I don't know why, but it's re- I, I don't know. I found that really cool. Um, Shinkiba is a really cool building because it's, it's, it's a warehouse that they've – like if you leave the building and go to the right, the neighbor is a lumber yard, and like there's always like just trucks driving, you know, big semi-trucks. It's in like this industrial zone in, near the fishing docks. It's really cool that they put it – or well – I it's 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 a really cool building. That's all. But anyway, so they brawled around the building. They used chairs, tables. Um, nothing really deathmatchy. Um, they did show clips from the from the previous year of uh, Saburo feuding with 
Kasai, and uh, I was expecting a lot more like thumbtacks and stuff that they were showing in the clips, but um, this was really just kind of like a, a brawl, really. I wouldn't even call it a death match. Yeah, it was definitely a brawl. Um, There's a few interesting spots. Uh, they had a barbed wire bat thrown in there toward the end, but uh, Sabaro, uh, he, he bumped off, you know, you know, he took a bump, a little face burst into one of those indestructible Japanese tables. So that kind of looked like it hurt uh, at one point. Um, he had a really nice uh, superplex uh, off a wing around the top rope. Then it kind of finished with a DVD on the uh, on the barbed wire bat. So, yeah, my, my first note was brawl all over the building, just like you said. Uh, pretty much a hardcore match. Uh, they brawled. They used a few spots with the barbed wire bat. Uh, kind of an upset, I would say, being a winger won the tournament the year before. It was an okay match. Absolutely. So, um, so okay, so that so that that did it for the first round and the first. Oh, I'm sorry. Whoops, I'm sorry. We have the main event of the first round. I'm sorry. So, uh, Kasai took on uh, the great Sasuke. Uh, now, I remember Brett sent this. Brett Lauderdale. He sent this to me maybe six months or so ago, and he's like, "Why have I never known that that this match happened?" I'm like, you know, it was. It's just not really a big known match, but it was a light tube ladder match. Um, this was during this weird time period where Sasuke, um, actually, give me one second, um, one second. Um, there was a time period where Sasuke was doing some death matches. He was doing them with Freedoms and a couple of other their companies, um, and he he would actually team with uh, the Brahmin brothers, and they would do a lot of like uh, uh, light tube stuff. And there's a documentary called The Great Sasuke, where they follow Sasuke as he ran for Senate uh, a couple years ago after the earthquake. Not Senate, but like, you know, city council or something. Really yeah. cool documentary. But during the, the you know, during the movie, um, he's, he's setting up a show, and a kid comes up to him and says, where did you get that scar? And he goes, oh, have you ever heard of the wrestler June K K K K Kasai? He stabbed me many times, and I'm wondering if that scar came from this match. But um, he does these comedy matches, basically, right, where the whole match is built around he's kind of scared of the light tubes, but he also doesn't really know how to use them. So he sets up the light tubes in these contraption ways that just kind of fail on him. Like he'll create a, yeah. a, a triangular bridge and try to walk over it, and they just break. Or um, you, Anyway, um, I'll let you give your, you know, what did you think of this one? It was a weird match because uh, he did do the comedy stuff. And like you said, uh, he looked like he had never either. <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but he looked like the one time he looked at the light tube, he looked like it was the greatest piece of ass he'd ever seen. Um, I don't know what it exactly was. He looked like he was mesmerized by it. And then other times, and he counted them all. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. Every he, time he got yeah. a light tube on anything, he had to count them first, which I thought was very bizarre, but obviously it's part of his. His comedy routine, I presume. Um, you know, he he took some spots. Uh, it really wasn't my favorite match in the tournament. Um, I know at one point, I know June pulls a ladder away from him, and, and and Sake falls. I don't know what the hell he was doing. He carried the empty box of light tubes up to the top of the ladder, and I thought he was going to splash him because he took Kasai's goggles, but then he just dropped that, and Kasai came over and knocked him off the ladder. Uh, it was it was strange. Um, Kasai, uh, you know, he, he ended up finishing him off with a splash onto the uh, the ladders and the uh, light tubes. But it was just kind of a strange. I mean, Sake hit a senton onto the ladder uh, when Jun Kasai was under it. Um, 
Saki powerbombed June onto the ladder, but it's just a lot of weird catch and go, you know, reposition the light tubes, count the light tubes. Uh, I know June at one point like carved himself up in the middle of the match too. He did one of those spots where he kind of carved himself up. Uh, it was kind of an odd match. Uh, you know, he had the goggles on for a while. He took the empty box up. You know, I guess it was kind of trying to be a comedy match and with a death match. Uh, it was different. Yeah, this is kind of what Sasuke does nowadays. You know, I mean, he... Um, that's not to say that he doesn't take ridiculous bumps and punishment sure. and do just stuff that someone at his age should not be doing. But um, I think his mindset is like... Because Sasuke has always been about... Let's do stuff differently. I think that that's always been Sasuke's wrestling mentality. I mean, when he started, uh, what was Mishinoku Pro called before it was Mishinoku Pro? Like, Ultra? Oh, oh shit. I think it was called Ultra or Ultimate. Uh, I'll let you check that out. But anyway, so when yeah. Sasuke would start, you know, when he started that, he was like, we're going to bring Mexican Lucha here. Like, it was something different. And um, Sasuke has always been about doing those different things. And I think that here he was like, look, okay, I'm going to do a death match. What can I do that nobody's done? Okay, what if I'm the guy who doesn't know how to do a death match? And I think that that's kind of what the genesis of the match was. I don't think it necessarily worked, but um, I still watch it. And, you know, you know, it was a pretty violent match because I got in his spots. It was still kind of fun, you know, but not great or anything. Wait, are you, are you thinking of, uh, uh, excuse me, a UWF? Because I thought Michinoku Pro's debut show in '93 uh, was called Michinoku Pro. No, no, no. There was a company before Michinoku Pro that was founded in maybe 1990 or so. Um, yeah, you think of the UWF? Because uh, I know that Sasaki did a lot of stuff for UWF. Universal, and, and that's it. Yep, yeah, that is it. WF. Universal. Yeah, they, they were the company that uh, Universal Pro Wrestling before that was thinking of. Uh, Grand Hamada's company. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, universal. So, um, so yeah, it was all about you know he's always trying to be a, a little different. Like I said, if I was gonna give it, you know, if 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 I was gonna give it a star rating, it'd be right right below that two and a half mark maybe. But um, it was different, and they tried. It didn't work so well, but uh, still cool to me. It wasn't terrible. It was just yeah. different. Um, I guess I really haven't kept up with Sasuke in a long time, and that wasn't the, the Sasuke I was used to. You know what I'm saying? I'm th I was used to the New Japan uh, Super Junior Sasuke, you know? Yeah. Or the early Michinoku Pro. So, you know, first time, I guess he drunk. But, uh, he, you know, he was counting the light tubes. And stuff. It was enjoyable because he made it interesting doing goofy things. Yeah. Uh, it was enjoyable. I mean, I, I hate to say it, it's probably better than the Masada Sasuke match. Yeah, definitely. You know, that was probably the weakest of the first round. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't the best match of the first round either. No, uh, the, be I, I like the best match was definitely the, the gentaro Camwe match, definitely. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely cool. It was, it was cool to see Sasuke doing that also because you wouldn't think of him in light tubes. Yeah. And, I mean, he was shredded by the end. I mean, he was bleeding was. pretty bad, you know, and, and they yeah, were taking... At one point, June... Broke a bunch of light tubes. Remember, June broke the light tubes. He stepped on them. Then Sasuke put him in like an abdominal stretch, and then they rolled through all the broken fucking light tubes like three times. Yeah, 
That was a pretty crazy spot. I mean, did it look visually? Well, it looked like a roll, but just all that broken glass. They're rolling their bodies through. And that's when you see Sasuke's back after that, and that's where it looked like he really got carved up, was when they were rolling through the light tube. June just smashed him down, stepped on him and broke him. Sasuke grabbed him like a bottom stretch, and then they roll through the light tubes. Yeah. I mean, every wrestler's first couple death matches are always going to be their bloodiest because they have that fresh back that's got no scar tissue, no nothing, so that, that first couple death matches are always going to be the, you know, the bloodiest ones usually. Um, but I would say the Gentaro Kamui match, you want to put that up on the cult sometime. I thought that was a great ma- I'm a big Gentaro fan. I mean, he's he's poked me in the eyes a few times for fun. Definitely. He's an awesome, cool guy. So, um, so okay, uh, going into the second round, and we're skipping a couple of the non-tournament stuff that was only in highlights, but Going into the second round, uh, Masada defeated Gentaro in a Kenzen death match. So what they had was they had the Kenzens taped to these like uh, boards, kind of like kind of like chair seats, and then they would uh, stick them to the um, the corner turnbuckle pads. Right? Um, it was a Masada match. Is I, I don't know how else to 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 say it. You know, they did the skewer spots, a lot of a lot of sticky, pokey psychology stuff. Um, again, not super violent, no glass, obviously. Um, the Kensens are one of those things where they're either incredibly scary and violent and sticking out of people's heads and backs, or they land on them in ways where nothing really sticks to you. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things that's either really dangerous or it's actually one of the safer things to go through. Sure. Um, there was time, you know, I know where he slammed. Uh, it was a very strong style hybrid, too. A Gintaro slammed Masada uh, onto the Kenzen board, and he was trying to stomp him through. Uh, Masada ended up grabbing Gintaro and, and slamming him. Uh, Gintaro had a really nice backdrop driver with Masada. Looked like he'd landed on those again. Uh, then he had a belly-to-back suplex at that point. That was a nice sequence, kind of all-Japan kind of thing. The one spot where Masada put him put a Boston Crab on and then reversed it to the SCF was cool because he had him face first in the Kenjins, but Gintaro picked a couple up and slammed Masada in the head with him to kind of get out of it. Um, really brutal chair shot from Masada uh, shortly after that. I know he ended up doing a tombstone pile driver, and then he did like a belly-to-belly cradle driver uh, on the Gintaro for the win. So it was a really good hybrid Um Definitely, it was what you expect from Masada, but there was a lot of hard-hitting suplexes, uh, stiff clotheslines in the beginning. I kind of, I, I enjoyed it. There was a skewer spot. I mean, it wasn't anything revolutionary, but I enjoyed the match. So, uh, let's see. Kasai defeated uh, Saburo in a thumbtack match. So, they had a bucket of thumbtacks. Pretty much what you would think it is. You know, it was a pretty good match, and they were covered in thumbtacks. I mean, just covered in them. Uh... Nothing really much to say because I won, you know, because I won with, uh, what move did he win with? He didn't win with the splash. I can't remember off the top of my head. Did you happen to write it down? Uh, I'm thinking, I believe it was a DDT. Yeah, he won with a move that I've never really seen. Yeah, it was like some kind of fisherman buster DDT. Yeah, yeah. For DDT. I was, uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised by that, but, um, good match. Covered in thumbtacks. This is was really one of the more. I mean, Saburo was covered in thumbtacks from he his was. front, his back, his arms, everything. Well, doubt. Uh, so okay, this takes us to the finals. Uh, Masada defeated June Kasai in a glass board death match. I think a lot of you know this. I, 
Masada and K- Kasai, um, they make really good opponents for each other, and they've had quite a few matches in both Combat Zone Wrestling and in Freedoms. Um, I'll let you go over this one. Um, they have had quite a few matches. Um, obviously, you know, we did our skewer spots. Um, June uh, suplex Masada uh, through the one glass... Uh, Last on top of the one table. There's a lot of brawling outside the ring. Um, it, it, I don't know that it was my favorite Masada June match because I've watched all of their matches. It was a good match, but I, I, I kind of liked uh, I liked the one they had in CZW that was not at the Tournament of Death. Uh, the one that was at like that Super WrestleMania weekend, whatever it was. I enjoyed that. The WrestleCon show. It was like a Russell. gusset plate board match. Yeah. 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 June took that crazy gusset spot to the face. And his face blew up, <laughs> and you know, and, I, and even in, in uh, Freedom's, uh, you know, the no canvas match they had, I enjoyed a lot. It was a decent match. It was everything you expect with the spots from there. Uh, you know, June tried to skewer Masada back. You know, they went through the glass planes. Like I said, when I started out, it was very minimal. That's kind of what the tournament was. Didn't mean it was bad, uh, but very minimal. Different approach than you know, you didn't have eight thousand things to plunder in the ring. You know, for for watching it, you would probably think uh, a layman would probably think it was a first round match, uh, just from the plunder, not from the excitement in the ring. But you know, they would think, oh, it just got a couple panes of glass, and this is gonna be a first round match. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was probably one of the weaker matches that they've had, to be completely honest. Just because there was only there was two panes of glass, and that was it. They really wrestled a straight match, to be completely honest. Right. Uh, the glass really never came into play. Once it was broken, it was just gone. It wasn't super violent, um, and the, it didn't like you know. Usually they'll they'll bring in some kind of alpha for weapons. I think they brought in one right. light tube bundle, right? One or two, yeah, yeah, yeah just for the end spot. Yeah, yeah. So um, as a go on, go ahead, go ahead. Just you know, as a as a, a, a tournament final, it wasn't. You know the explosion. You know the explosive twenty-minute epic death match that we've known from Freedom's main events now. Um, so um, it was a good match, but as a death match final, it really didn't like. None of these matches really came off as like the death. You know the the death match you need to see. I think they all kind of came off like if these were transported to now or even in two thousand ten. None of these would have been a main event of like a BJW card. You know what I mean? No, you know these all felt like a mid card pre intermission or pre intermission break death match is what these all kind of felt like. Absolutely, like I said, you know when we started out, the word of the day was minimal. It was very minimal plunder. There were some good matches in it, um, but like you, me and you kind of agreed, it was probably the weakest Kasai Masada match I've seen. So, um, overall, the show, um, I would give it a B minus, I would say. I think that Kentaro and Cam, we really was, in my opinion, my favorite match. I think that was actually a great match. I mean, I thought that was just fantastic. It was violent. I've not, I mean, it's probably the best barbed wire board match I've seen, you know, since, um, I would have to really sit down and think about it. I, I thought that that was the best match of the whole show. If you do want to see... Uh, the the history of freedoms, it's worth watching. But I, you know, like I said, B minus, C plus, somewhere around there. I'm a hundred percent agreement with you. Um, uh, the first match is very good. I en- I enjoyed Masada 
uh, Gintaro, too. Um, I thought that was a good match. Uh, it was cool to see Sasuke in there. I guess that makes the match read a little bit better. It was a weird match. It was a comedy kind of thing. It was cool to see him in there. Uh, and then there were some matches that, you know, kind of didn't fly. Like, you suspect with Sasuke and Masada was kind of a, yeah, you know, kind of a letdown match. But, yeah, you know, definitely check it out. You know, it, it's it's a early stage of freedoms. Uh, there were some cool matches. I would agree with you. B minus, C plus. I think that if you were to hold this same the this same card now, I think it would be just miles better. You know, um, the gimmicks just really held a lot of the matches back. You know, you, you know, you had like a trash can death match and stuff. But like I said, when you go to a game changer wrestling tournament, they don't even announce stipulations, but they just start bringing shit out, and you're like, oh shit, we got light bulbs and thumbtacks and this match we right. have panes of glass and kenzins now we have light bulbs all over yep. yeah it, it, it's it's just it's so much more extreme and over the top and back then they were you know japanese wrestling they pace themselves they don't want to burn out crowds because they have to run the same area so much you know yeah i would say they probably spent less than 75 dollars at the hardware store for all the gimmicks <laughs> really yeah. was a uh, a very gimmick. I mean, didn't mean it was bad. It just it was a very gimmick light, uh, like tournament. Well, all right, that is it for us. So keep in mind, if you have a show from the archive, if you want us to watch, you know, if you want us to do one of these reviews for, oh, I don't know, Carnage Cup two thousand seven or. CZW Night of Infamy 2005, whatever the fuck that you can think of, and uh, you know, feel free to head over to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/deathmatchnews, and for five bu- for five bucks a month, you can uh, recommend us to watch one of these shows and check it out. This was really fun going back into the archives. I want to thank uh, JL the Jobber, and I want to thank everybody who is uh, you know who has joined the Patreon army. Uh, let me just go down and thank the and thank these guys personally we're still start we're still starting out so there's only a few guys here but we're hoping to really grow it so we can do more and more of these shows and make more and more content but i want to thank luther reigns thomas clemens jail the jobber and, and and christian for coming through uh on our on our patreon we upload um archive interviews that mike has done with all kinds of people we're going to be uploading uh, so, uh another a classic interview with john wayne murdoch this week we also have a uh, new interview that we just recorded with Matt Tremont that you can listen to now, which is going to be on the show next week. We're going to have an exclusive interview with Schlack in the next week or so, and a lot of other cool stuff coming up. So, uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at INTL Wrestling. Uh, Mike, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me, uh, first and foremost, the Deathmatch Cult. Um, if you enjoy uh, classic Japanese wrestling to modern American wrestling, to Lucha Libre wrestling, to South African death wrestling, to Argentinian death match wrestling. We have it all. Uh, we're an interactive community. Uh, you know, we've been doing a few uh, polls. Uh, you know, the other day we did pick a cage of death, and most votes we put that cage of death match up. Uh, we've been very uh, interactive lately. We're doing matches today, and our evening classic match today. A lot of FMW stuff. I know we did some Mufisto in Mexico uh, matches the other day. So yeah, we're, we're really trying to step up our game and, and uh, we're going to invite people to join our family. Uh, it's a community. Uh, all the admins and myself, we work together. Uh, no one owns the page or started the page. Um, 
we work together. We vote on everything. We try to make sure things are fun. We don't let people come in and be disrespectful or rude. We just love Deathmatch Wrestling. We want to promote it. Um, we're happy to partner with people like Stephen, who you know presents the newsletter, and he's a, a member of the admin on the page. Um, obviously, I've been advertising for Bahu on there. Um, I can't say enough. If you love FMW or you just love Deathmatch Wrestling and you love details, facts, matches, write-ups, history, Go to Bahu's FMW World. It's probably the best deathmatch page for one company anyone has ever done. It's amazing. Uh, and probably next week, me and him, uh, me and Brett will be doing another Kawasaki Dreaming. Uh, I had a lot of fun with him the first time. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter. Uh, you can catch me at uh, Will Michaels. Uh, you can catch me on my other call pages, too. December 16th. Uh, 15th, excuse me, Saturday, a deathmatch called Year-End Awards. Uh, voting is closed. I've got all the awards put together. We're going to have some special guests uh, on that live, uh, live production that night. We're going to have our Hall of Death uh, honorees, their second annual class. We're putting in 16 wrestlers this year. So uh, that's where you can check me out. You can always uh, hear me and Steven uh, on the deathmatch radio news. We try to stay pretty current with that. Like he said, we've got some exciting things hopefully coming up because we are trying to build our brand uh, but we do it because we love it and we want to turn people on to new stuff or let them enjoy things they haven't seen in a while or, or uh, you know I've been putting up some rare matches recently and I get all kinds of hey I haven't seen that match in 10 years and I was in the crowd and people are excited so you know that's what we kind of true we're, we're both diehard fans uh, we're obsessed with, uh, with this form of wrestling, uh, and we take it very seriously. Um, a lot of different people, you know, we joke here and there, but we take it serious. And we try to provide this to you folks to, you know, let you know what's coming up and, you know, get the wrestlers on and review it. And, and you know, Stephen is a, an amazing resource, and it's just great to do the show with him. Thank you so much, guys. So we will definitely check you guys next week. <laughs>